Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. To be fair, though, I think most moderates have pretty bad opinions. <laughs> not gonna, bro, bro, I agree. Bro, it's just like, it's just it's just me. I think counterpoints, he's moderate, so he has pretty good opinions. Um, if it wasn't, I guess, if it wasn't for this recent, like, progressive craziness, I probably would be, like, a liberal. But, like... Mm -hmm. They're just crazy. I think that's how most that's how most moderates are. Like they're libertarians at core, which is always what fit into the Democrats. But the Democrats went so crazy to the like just astronomically crazy to the left that now you guys are just moderate, but you're libertarian uh, liberal at your core. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? I really hope you do. And I really hope you enjoy the fact that I have an amazing guest talking with me and having this great discussion. If you, as an individual, personally have your own podcast and maybe you want to have great guests on your podcast as well, well, I got a deal for you. In my description, there is a link to something called Podmatch. Make sure to join that link through my affiliate link so you can sign up to get matched up with other podcast hosts and podcast guests so you make sure you are never missing an episode without a productive guest to have an amazing conversation with. Podmatch is similar to any other kind of matching site for the most part, and it's super easy to use. Just $6 a month, and you can have a guest for each and every podcast episode that is tailored to your specific topic. So again, join the link in my description and join Podmatch now. Do you want a great website like this? This is my podcast website where I direct the audience to come to watch the content, listen to the content, read the blogs, and much, much more. If you want to have your own customizable podcast website, then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage, and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now. Again, use the link in my description to join PodPage now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your boy. I'm your guy. I'm your host, Riddell Lewis. And I'm here with my co-host, Jonathan. How you doing, my guy? It's been a while. It has. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Um, You know, seeing all these, uh, you know, Republicans in my uh feed has been a lot of interesting since mm -hmm. i started talking about the republican nominees and debate panel i don't know if you saw my recent yep. um vivek video i uh, watched some of it yep yeah a lot of republicans were pissed at the cop section for that i point. saw that i scrolled through like 158 comments when i looked at it and it was just like it was so it was a fun it was a mixed bag actually i was surprised. there's a decent like, mind people... though like agreed with me Decent. Yeah, yeah. I think it's from everything that I've heard, people are relatively split on Vivek right now, which I think was kind of his goal in the whole debate was to be a lightning rod. Um, but it was pretty split on him. On my yeah, I, I would say this. The only thing that surprised me in the comment section is that some people said that he's a better version of Trump, which and it, when I heard that, I was like, wow, I don't know if this was Vivek's goal to be the better version of Trump. But like, I, it, I have a, I have opinions about it. I don't know what we're ever going to still talk about dating. Oh, we, we, or we no, we're not, we're not, we're not. The guest is not showing up okay. today, 
So okay. we're actually going to talk about the Republican panel again. Now, I did drop an episode giving my own personal thoughts about it, but I thought it would be appropriate to have other like thoughts, of course, yours, since you're, you are Republican, and I have a little bit back and forth before we kind of move on from this conversation until whatever else happens. Sure. So we'll sure. dive into that in a second, of course. Um, before we dive into that, I'm going to read off a review. It's been a while since I do that. Uh, make sure you guys leave a review in apple Podcasts, leave a five stars on spotify you can do that on my website www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com and i'll try to like find other content to read comments as well because like you guys leave comments in a lot of places so i'm gonna try to get you know read a few from other things as well but with that said this review says certainly challenge my viewpoint and in general it can be a bit difficult to follow because of the overall cadence i will slow down i can you know talk a little fast um and speed with which the host delivers his speech that said it conveys his enthusiasm which i can appreciate it appreciate you my guy you know that's what i try to do sometimes i notice i talk fast um but you know i gotta calm down be calm cool and collected that's how you uh, Mm -hmm. capture the people you know what i'm saying get that trump cadence you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yep. Before we dive into the main topic, uh, talking about the uh, Republican panel, and here's some back and forth regarding that and, and the uh, nominees, we're going to do our What You Need to Know segment, and I'm going to do a deeper, deeper question that I'm curious. Uh, there's another question that is so deep. It's about marriage, and honestly, once we, that will be a controversial episode when we dive into that. But this is a different well, let's question. Let's hear it while I'm here. Well, I don't. I'll make sure you're here for the episode where I ask this deeper, deeper question, and it's going to be about the standards of marriage and what it should be. But we'll ju- we'll just we'll just hold our horses for that. With that said, what you need to know: what is going on in society today? The BRICS alliance announces six countries will be joining its block of developing economies. The alliance comprising Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa invited Saudi Arabia, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Argentina, and the United Arab Emirates to join starting January 1st. Now, there's um, some, you know, voices from a lot of different sides, um, as of right now, BRICS currently represents 40% of the world's population, over 25% of global GDP. With the additional countries, they'll claim 46% of the world's population and more than 30% of the global economy as they try to replace the U.S. dollar and try to replace the U.S. economic power. With that said, if you look into uh, GDP per capita, the America and its allies destroy all these other countries so not as uh terrifying as people trying to make you believe but it's definitely a situation we have to consider for sure another thing that's going on is the maui county sues hawaii electric over alleged role in sparking deadly wildfires um one of the litigation attorneys john fisk who's representing this uh, county for their civil suit indicated that they should have had de-energization programs and that they should have had taken proper action in dealing with the potential 
you know, power lines and their potential damage that they can have on nature and the ecosystem. Um, Now, the president did come back saying that they did not have a de-energization program. So I don't know why they brought that up. And a program like that could be very damaging to all the uh, people who are um, people who are medically inept who are lying, relying on power from these systems and potentially having this program can make these medical systems shut down, which could be a potential issue is one of the things they argued. And the last thing, the Department of Justice is suing SpaceX over alleged discriminatory practices violating the Immigration and Nationality Act because they won't hire anybody that was not a U.S. citizen or had a green card. Basically, they're saying that they are discouraging asylees and refugees from applying to the company, and the Department of Justice says that is bad. So, a few things going on in society. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a ridiculous thing to sue a company over. Personally, I think if he wants to hire people who are from America, I don't, I don't see the problem with that. Uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding that to a certain extent, but I think um, I think that's kind of silly. I think the Maui thing, I think uh, they should do anything that they can do to get money and to get support for, you know, the rebuilding of their homes and economy and city in general. Um, and then I have heard a lot about that BRICS thing, the BRICS alliance. Um, and I, I think it's, as of right now, a, a, a menial um, threat, but I certainly think it could grow, especially if it picks up some higher GDP countries. Uh, I think that that shouldn't be something that we dismiss. I think it could be relatively catastrophic if we don't get our own economy back on the wagon um, and producing higher economically status dollars, I guess think about how i want to word that but yeah um it's it's very interesting to me when it comes down to people's outlook of america from other countries because a lot of them um from other countries the the biggest reasons why they are dissuaded from us is because of the ideological rhetoric that we're spilling from the left onto their countries and their culture potentially and there's a certain level of fear that obviously there's always going to be a fear of america is the strongest military america is the big baddies of the entire world america is the economic power that everybody has to lean to that stuff will never change as an american you never want it to change but we should obviously make less reasons or put out less reasons for other countries to hate us as much as possible other than the obvious ones. I think that will be important moving forward for sure, especially since we're all becoming much more interconnected. Yeah. I think, I don't think there's much that we can do about countries hating us as long as we're acting morally and justly. Um, But certainly we should encourage people to be trading with us and to build alliances with our dollar, not trying to undermine our dollar. And that's, I think one of the reasons that they're able to even undermine the dollar is because the dollar has been getting worth less and less over time. And so this is an ability when the hand is strong and it's, and it's 
worth investing with that, there's no reason to undermine it. Just like when you have a good, just king or a good, just government, you're not you're not really concerned about undermining him. But when you know that he's weak and failing and not being the best that he can be, that's when you seek to undermine a government. And I think that's what we can look at our dollars. Our, our dollar is not worth as much. It's not as beneficial to be trading with our dollar. They can come up with something better. And so, of course, they're going to try to undermine that. And I think that's what I think that's what's going on right now. Yeah, I'm. It'll be interesting to see how everything goes goes forward. Um, but with that said, I mean, China and Russia are not in the greatest situations. Russia's in terrible economic situation right now. Um, like their their currency is worth absolutely nothing at the moment. Oh yeah. And uh, China, they're like in a weird situation too. Obviously, that you know they're still a powerhouse, but like their people and uh, the humanitarian crises that's happening in China is getting worse and worse. It seems um, they're oh, yeah. even ha having trouble like keeping the, their population up. So, you know, China and Russia are trying to do things, but Russia's in this war with Ukraine. And China is starting to look at Russia like, hey, you might be going a little too far, honestly. And they allegedly they they were like, hey man, you may you may want to chill. So we'll have to we'll have to see what goes on with that. Oh, speaking of Russia, and I might as well bring this up since Jonathan's here. What do you think about the alleged assassination of the Wagner ah, group leader? Of Yevgeny Prigozhin? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. If you shoot, if you what's what's the uh, what's the uh, saying? If you swing at the king, or if you shoot at the king, you best not miss. Um, you know he uh, he took a swing at the king. He sh he shot at him and he missed. So I'm not I'm like you should know better. If you if if you are a crooked warlord sort of person uh, who runs this real like black ops military contract company, who you know you've been doing back to if you are literally that person. And you are coming for somebody who you know is also that person. Like the former head of the KGB has like rigged elections since he started, has a track record worse than the Clintons, I would say, of potentially, oh, of, of chefs mysteriously slipping and falling and of couriers just disappearing. Like you should know, like, oh, he's not just going to let me get away with this. Like, come on now. Come on now. I think that's. You shouldn't have got on a private jet and flown right past Moscow. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, that was a <laughs> L move on their part. But I like, am curious on the reception of Putin doing this in Russia, uh, unless they kind of con he didn't uh, even address it. I guess, as far as I know, he did a press conference like a day after it happened and didn't even say a word about it. Didn't Technically, it is all alleged. So, like, I guess he doesn't well, have to talk about it. They saw the they saw the plane crash, right? I mean, the plane. Everybody knows that the plane crashed and that he was yeah. on it. I'm sad if there was like innocent people on it, but to my understanding, is it was him and some of his staff on his own private jet. Yeah. So, like, it it's sad, but it's also like, are you surprised? I mean, I'm if you're surprised. in that field, you know, you only can't feel sorry for them so much, so much. Well, yeah, very surprised situation. You know, Russia doing Russia things. So I guess we can't really be surprised at the end of the Russia day. Russia do what Russia do. Exactly. With that said, let's dive into our deep or deeper question of the day before we dive into the main topic, of course. And that question 
for you, Jonathan, we'll talk about a little bit. Is hitting your kid in any situation child abuse or every situation child abuse? No. Why? No. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I suppose I should clarify, right? Like, what do you mean by hitting? So, well, the reason why I stated it that way. So, like, anytime uh, a parent puts physical harm, like, smacks them, punches them in the arm, anytime that happens, we're setting a standard first. So, anytime that happens, would that be child abuse? And you said no. And yeah. I would also say no. But, we, obviously, we have to go deeper. to Okay, what exactly you qualify as child abuse? And what do you exactly qualify as justified um, punishment in terms of smacking your child. So there's a couple things. It's funny that you say this because my dad has just preached like three sermons on discipline and how we're to be disciplined and how uh, a just and moral parent is to discipline their child. One of the things that the Bible is very explicit about is spanking. Um, and spanking your child in the appropriate manner is the best thing for them. Um, it, I could quote a bunch of scriptures about it. Uh, that there's obviously the one spare the child, spoil the child. I think that one's misused and misapplied sometimes. But there's a study that I can send you. I can ask my dad for it. Um, mm -hmm. That was a very famous study that we actually talked about in my psychology class. Um, as it, cause it was coming out that the study was a bad study, uh, during the time I was taking the psychology class and during even the section that we were talking about raising children and what this study had claimed. And this was a study that was standing for like 14 plus years. And it said that spanking your child is bad for them, but they didn't do the study right. It wasn't conducted very well and they missed a lot of it. And what they found out when they revamped the study and like applied a slightly more rigorous standard is the children who got spanked appropriately turned out to be the most productive citizens in every single category, in every single standard, by every single metric. They made more money. They were married for longer. They had more children. They were, uh, got higher educations. They contributed back to their society more by every metric. Okay. So no spanking. Yeah, send me that. Uh, send me that study. So I want to get in the habit of uh, putting all research links yep, for the I podcast. Will. But yeah, go ahead. Um. Yeah. So that alone proves that spanking is not child abuse. And what do There's you define? A... What you mean by appropriate spanking? Yeah. So the way that the the Bible lays it out, and the way that in this. To have the best outcome, this is the way you do it. Just like with our legal system, it must the the correction and um, the rectification must happen instantaneously, as fast as possible. Science has shown three seconds. Within three seconds of the infraction, you have to have told the the child, "This is what you did wrong, and this is what you're getting punished for." And so, when it comes to spanking me when you do something wrong immediately say this is what you just did wrong and now there's going to be a punishment and so for me it looked like 
I infracted whatever I was doing. Um, and my parents told me to go up to my room. Or not my room, the office. And then they'd come up. And what they did that I give them credit for is they never spanked me when they were still angry. So if I did something very egregious, like one time broke a very expensive vase because I was goofing around and doing something I knew I shouldn't have been doing, because I never got spanked for doing something, which is another key thing. I always got spanked for disobedience. So when I was jumping on the couch, they said, stop jumping on the couch. I kept jumping on the couch and I broke the expensive vase. I wasn't getting spanked for jumping on the couch. I was getting spanked for disobeying a direct order from my parents. Anyways, when you're angry, you don't discipline your child. You calm yourself down first. If you can't keep yourself under control, how are you going to get them under control? Once my parents were under control, I got spanked, and I was told, this is why you're getting spanked again. So I was very clear on this is what I was getting spanked for. And then afterwards, they told me that they still loved me, and they, they bound up the wounds afterwards, which is the biblical context for it. When you don't do all of those things, that is when I think you encroach upon child abuse, right? If you're doing something wrong and you just come up and smack your kid on the back of the head, that's none of that is right. They don't know what they're getting hit for. They're, they're, there's a lot of miscommunications there. That's an improper hit. There's, you're supposed to, I always got spanked on the butt. That was it. That's the only place that you got spanked in was on the butt because you're not going to do any sort of lasting physical damage. Like if you smack someone on the arm repeatedly over and over and over again, aggressively, you can cause some serious damage. Can't do that on the butt. So there's a, and this is what, this is what my dad said. You also never got, I never got hit by a hand. (laughs) This is a point that my dad made. Hands are made for loving and caressing. You don't, you don't hit with your hands. So, Honestly, a lot of the things you said are um, very interesting. Very interesting. I'll come at this from my approach. Um, I'm. I understand why people would say like, "Are people are wary of like smacking your kid?" Um, obviously, a lot of this comes from either like a trauma or you know a circumstance in the past where you're completely off putted. You know, those that's just like human nature. When when they go through something that they can't kind of conceptualize they're going to just steer away from it um at the end of the day because like for me i was hit as a kid obviously now i I live in a very islander tradition a traditional islander culture life family oriented stuff so both samoans and jamaicans would hit their kids and i'm both right so samoans can get pretty violent but you know they're trying to calm down with this newer generation shout out to uh he's a pretty calm guy um but also like jamaicans as well and my dad back in the day my family was very very disoriented and um my dad back in the day was going through a lot of course and a lot of when he would go he definitely fed into the anger he definitely went too far because he would be he would hit me with the belt and it would like whip on my back and it would be like I got, you know, I'm not going to say what I was about to say. It would have been a tasteless joke. Nobody would have appreciated it. But that would happen. I would go to my school and my friends would go like, bro, what is these bruises on your back? I'm like, bro, I just I, I got cooked, bro. Um, Obviously, as a kid, that was very devastating, of course. And my dad learned from his actions. Of And matter of fact, my my half siblings, he like he'd never hit to them. So you went from one extreme to another extreme because yeah. you could my my sister my uh, full blooded sister says my our half sister and 
that she's kind of spoiled because of how our, our father treats her. So sure. there's there's definitely a nuance with this. So with that said, the reason why I wanted to point that out is to kind of uh, enlighten my perspective as a, as an individual that went through spankings or whatever. Yeah, so absolutely. That's important for the audience because some people think, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, all that all that junk. But with that said, I can conceptualize. At first, like if I didn't have my nuanced thinking, I would have been like, oh, I'm never hitting my kids. But after like maturing, growing up, you realize, one, I stand by this fact, pain exists because it's the ultimate deterrent. That's what I pr- truly believe. We wouldn't have pain receptors if we didn't, we wouldn't have pain receptors if they weren't to tell us that we're doing something wrong. We have pain for a reason. They're the ultimate deterrent for like every single animal that exists. So pain is necessary. Obviously it depends on how you utilize that pain. And a lot of things, what Jonathan said is very appropriate. You should never feed into your anger when you're punishing your kid. Um, You should obviously, you know, show the, the more compassion and love than, than the, than the punishment because a lot of families that are doing like child abuse is prevalent is all they see is punishment all they see is smacking and and getting hit with a belt that's all they see they don't see the compassion they don't see the love so you definitely yeah. need it there and it needs to be controlled obviously you don't want to be like you know by uh, my family went back in the day where they would just grab anything and just start hey man we're swinging Hey, electric cord, swinging. Hanger, swinging. Hey, anything, anything in my hand, swinging. You don't want to be like that. It needs to be controlled. They need to understand because sometimes when kids, especially, they don't know how to rationale logic yet. So the, the best way you're going to deter them is going to be brief punishment to associate action bad. That's the simplest way you can associate a bad action is pain associated yeah. with the bad action. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's something to be said for that, but it's not quite that simple. (laughs) As you said, kids can't rationalize, right? So let's use the example that I had before. There's a, there's the concept of like, you know, the Pavlovian training, right? Training the dog. I'm not a dog. I'm a person. I'm a human. I'm sorry for all those, those people out there. That are like, oh, my child is my dog. No, it's not. Your dog is your dog, and dogs are great, but they're not your children. By the same metric, I'm not a dog. I don't want to be trained like a dog. If I'm bouncing on the couch, and then my parent says, stop bouncing on the couch, keep bouncing on the couch, knock the vase over, and then immediately, like you said, someone starts swinging at me, and I just get hit, and I feel pain. I don't know what I'm getting in trouble for. As a child, I can't rationalize which of the infractions did I get in trouble for. Was it bouncing on the couch? Was it breaking the vase? Or was it disobeying my parents? Maybe I'll associate all three. And when I begin to associate all three like that, and there's no initial go up to the office, my parent calms down, they come up, tell me again what I'm getting in trouble for, apply the discipline, and then bind up that wound because this the this concept comes from you know the wounds of god are faithful he is faithful to wound but also to bind up and so the binding up is the most important part which is something you don't get with the pavlovian cognitive behavioral therapy kind of approaches when you do it like that the there are higher chances that you begin to 
fear your parents because they're not disciplining you appropriately. And I don't know what your particular experience has been, but I know other people that resent their parents because they got disciplined physically. But there's another concept. There's something else that happens, um, which is equal, which has this kind of same outcome, and it's resenting towards the parents. If your parents hit you unjustly and they don't do it in the correct manner, you begin to resent them. But if you never get disciplined either, if you're the child that never gets disciplined, never hears the word no, you will also eventually begin to resent your parents because they've there's a key part of the relationship between children and parents that's missing. That's discipline and correction. Because parents, just as our Heavenly Father, our, I think this is a particularly fatherly role, our Heavenly Father has a goal for us. He has something that he wants us to. He has a vision for our future that is better than our own because he's wiser and smarter. Just as our physical father, typically, they're typically, not always, wiser and smarter because they have more years. They have age. There's the the owl of Minerva flies at night. and That is the owl of Minerva signifies wisdom. It flies at dusk, rather. And that's age. It's referring to age. And so our parents have a better vision for our future than we do, and that's why we are corrected. When I'm jumping on the couch, I'm going to break the couch or break the vase. The parents have a better vision for my future than to break that vase. It's a very simplistic explanation, but that's what it is. And if they don't do that for you, then that's a key function that they're supposed to play that they're not doing, and that will also lead to resentment. The Bible, once again, says, parents, when you correct your children, provoke them not to anger. And provoking them to anger is causing them to resent you. When you're doing it, when you're doing the disciplining thing, and you're not doing it right, you will provoke your child to anger. And that's what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, like I said, a, a lot of the a lot of these situations, of course, are very hard, very nuanced. Um, and if you're just one of those parents to kind of provide y'all an alternative, if you're one of those parents and you just refuse to put your hand on your kid for whatever reason, which is perfectly fine, I still think you should abide by the idea that just talking to a child is not going to solve your circumstance. It's not going to help them understand because they can only understand so much based off their limited experience and their, you know, more simplistic brain function at the end of the day. So pain, I believe, still needs to play a part. And there's other ways you can go about it, obviously. You can make them a stand on the wall and do a wall sit. You're going to get pain from a wall sit right there. You can make them do push-ups. There are other ways to kind of abide by a sense of pain so they understand that the action that I just committed, and this is what, this is what people do back in the military. This would, If you're in sports, hey, man, run laps. Like, there's a reason why all these things happen. Running laps is not going to help you be a better football player. You're running laps because you've been you you were bad, you sucked for whatever you reason. Screwed up. Yeah, you yeah, exactly. You know, you're not doing push-ups in the military because it's going to make you stronger. You're doing push-ups because you screwed up. So there are other facets of pain that you could use as well, in a that are obviously needs to be controlled, but that are different, an alternative if you don't want to put your hands on your kids. Just because you don't put your hands on your kids doesn't make you a bad parent, but trying to talk with your kid like your equals, <laughs> you're, you're towing the line of bad parent right there. You and your kid are not yeah, equals, so I'm just saying. Have you, do you know who John Christ is? John Christ? No. So he's a comedian. He's pretty funny. I think you'd actually kind of like him. Um, but he's got this joke that he does now. It's one of his new jokes about his sister 
at a Chili's, like they're having a family dinner. And he's like, man, and the kids, they're just bad kids. Like they try to say like, oh, they're rambunctious or all this, but no, they're just bad kids. Kid breaks a crayon, drawing at Chili's, freaks out, freaks out, starts whining and crying. And it's hilarious watching all the different people in my family. My my sister, she doesn't believe in looking down on kids because that's judgmental. So she literally gets on her hands and knees talking to the kids equal. What do you need? What can I help with? My other sister, she's got rubbing crystals together, trying to um, what is it, manifest no tears. And then, and then me, I'm just sitting here like, man, someone's got to hit that child. If that's you, if any of you are like that, if you ever see me in a restaurant and your child's freaking out, wink at me, I'll come over and I'll hit your child. <laughs> it's just, it's it's ridiculous <laughs> that we think that we can talk to kids like equals. Like, even me, I'm not an adult. Or, I mean, I guess I am an adult, technically, but I'm I'm 20 years old. Even I'm not the same. Someone who's older than me, you know, they can talk to me to a greater extent, but there comes a point in time when somebody who's older and wiser than me, such as my dad, often, and he'll say, listen, I know what's best for you. At my age, I can decide if I want to take his advice now. Most of the time, I'm going to opt to do it because he's smarter and wiser than me. If I was 12, it's a different story. It's And less and less of a story, the younger and younger I go back. There's a certain point where we simply defer to people who are wiser than us and smarter than us. And if... Exactly. If you try to have that conversation with a young kid about, listen to me, I'm smarter than you. You should do what I say. At some point you say, no, you don't have that option. You're going to do what I think is better for you. And you can't do that to other people's kids. I mean, sometimes you can. It depends on the relationship you have with the parents. But when it's your own kids, you shouldn't be trying to rationalize a logical argument through the Socratic method with the three-year-old. Exactly, exactly. Um, But with that said, you know, you can always have an honest conversation with the kid, though. So, you know, it's very nuanced. Parent- parenting is hard, with that said. Um, but if you want to learn some good tips on parenting, check out our Nathaniel Turner episode where we talk about roles of Ew. parenting, of course. Great episode right go there. Back. Yes, there go back. Yes, sir. Okay, so let's dive into the main topic and talk about some of the Republican nominees. Now, I actually did a ranking of the nominees i don't even remember the rankings but i can kind of remember the generalized order so let's obviously talk about some of the bottom nominees and then move our way to the more popular ones of course stop right there yes this is a little mini ad don't skip don't skip all i want to tell you right now is that at the end of the day when it comes down to all the discussions i want to have i want to be able to communicate with you the audience i want to be able to relay a message and receive a message from everyone and try to come up with these great solutions that i keep on talking about so if you want to be part of the community make sure you go to the website and sign up for not only the email list so you can get weekly emails from me for the podcast episode informational sessions all that great stuff but also sign up to go on my discord so you can be part of the discussions debates on my live streams so be sure to go to the website www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com and go to the email list sign up and go to the discord and join the server now back to the episode um first things first did you hear what happened to larry elder apparently he's suing yes. the rnc yes. because of there was they some screw up with him and so his votes they tried, 
Well, um, I can I know exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, I almost I, I was actually really considering working for his campaign for a little bit. Um, Larry Elder guy, okay, volunteering for his campaign, kind of. It was just a good opportunity that I thought would be beneficial, possibly. He's not. He's honestly not my favorite candidate, um, but I liked him. I like him a lot, actually. But what happened is he had a poll. I forget the exact name of the poll, but somehow or another, it can be tied back to Trump. And so he submitted his three polls that put him at one percent or higher in the in the vote. Yeah. Uh, so he had all of his contributions. But because it was an affiliated poll somehow with not even the Trump campaign, but like a holding of Trump, like somehow there, there's traced something back to him. They said that that doesn't count. And so they cut that poll out and they didn't really give him enough time to look for another poll to submit. And so yeah. they just said, oh, you can't come to the first debate. And yeah, so he because said, That's of that. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You didn't tell us that. You didn't say that this is classified as a poll that you can't use. Nothing like that. So I think he's very justifiably angry with them. I agree. Um, he definitely justifiably angry. It would have been interesting to see what he brought on the table. Because it would have been a- from what I've seen, and I've seen very limited, he at the very least actually stands out a little bit more than some of the candidates. Who am I talking about? Well, for one, Tim Scott had no presence on on the panel um he didn't he didn't offer much i didn't hide it, hold him in high regard like he didn't really say anything of note or of worth in my personal opinion so tim scott i thought was a pretty forgettable and yeah i think he's probably the most forgettable one now you did say Bergam, and i would argue Bergam. i know presence wise i would agree he is pretty forgettable but if you actually listen to what he said i think he actually said something versus tim scott i don't think he did tim scott said he was gonna fire eighty-seven thousand irs agents and i'm like you're just gonna fire the entire irs man attack the tech that's all the new people that they hired they hired those eighty-seven thousand new employees and they're just gonna fire them all yeah out, out the window all these irs agents yeah, that's it. That's such a that's such a crazy idea to me. But yeah, I just don't think Tim Scott said a lot versus Bergam. So that's why I held him in a little bit more regard. But what what do you got to say about Bergam? I think he has stupendous eyebrows. I think that's his defining feature. And being a man, as Ben Shapiro said, and I'm not I'm not a huge Ben Shapiro fan. Like I like Ben Shapiro. Uh he's not my favorite in the whole wide world. But he said Doug Bergam. A man famous for his eyebrows and being a man named Doug Burgum. And that's pretty much how I feel about Doug Burgum. Honestly, I do I thought when I was doing when I was watching the, the, the panel, um, I was giving points based on what you said, not like I'm sometimes if you did something really like witty, like politicky, I gave you points. Like I gave Chris Christie a point when he called Vivek uh J- chat GBT. I don't lie. I gave him a point for that. Um, yeah, I know. I saw that. Too. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I gave Nikki Haley a point. Or, yeah, I think I gave Nikki Haley a point when she said something about um, Vivek not knowing what the hell he's talking about when it comes to foreign policy. So, you know, sometimes I give you, you know, some politicky points. The things that stood out for me when it came to Burbium is I think he's consistent when it comes to um, – uh, certain stipulation when uh, for the federal government and their and their powers because he brought up 
I believe you brought up the Tenth Amendment, and I think this is important because I've said this before. Like, if you're going to say that the federal government should have limited power, but then tries to give them another power to create a federal type ban on abortion, then I'm like, at that point, you're kind of being kind of inconsistent. Now, I, obviously, I get the the moral right. At the end of the day, morally, if you stand by that, I I empathize with you, but it's bad to set a precedent of limited government, but also start giving federal government powers well, when you, you know, want I think, to. I understand what you're saying, and I and I agree. And we've had the discussion that there's a lot of things that shouldn't be in the federal government's purview. However, I think that you know we have certain rights that are given to us by the constitution by the bill of rights um you know the the quote life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is is not in the constitution it's in the declaration of independence but what what is in the constitution is the concept of creating a better life for ourselves and our posterity is and how are we going to have a posterity if we keep killing them um, I don't I think that the government, if their if their job, which I, I've said this, so this is consistent with my views. Um, so this on the podcast before their job is to ensure the human flourishing. And if you're going to ensure human flourishing and the flourishing of your citizenry, they have to be alive to be able to flourish. And so, yeah, you can make the argument that there shouldn't be that there can be a more limited government. But limited means that they have their hands in fewer bins, right? They have they have their hands on fewer pies with different plate spending stuff. I think one of the things that they should have their hands on is living a just and moral life with actual life, like actually being able to exist. And that would mean making a federal abortion ban. Now, I think when it comes to the candidates and who expressed their views on pro-life the best. I think Nikki Haley did a good job. I think Mike Pence did a good job. I think DeSantis, I think DeSantis did the best because his was the simplest and most straightforward. And he encompassed both, both sides of the argument and that it is good and just and necessary for us, our candidates to be pro-life because that's, a core value of the conservative party. So he said, I'm simply pro-life. But he also then stipulated he went on. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he stipulated, and I'll do whatever I can to push forward that agenda. Look what I've done in Florida. The problem with Nikki Haley is she tried to put herself out as pro-life, but then like backtracked and said, but it's not really going to happen. So why are we even talking about this? Yeah, I and, don't think that I don't think that's what she did. Now, when it when the, it comes well, to do you want to say um, something else? Yeah. So let me finish with that. It's true. She is correct that um, it's going to be unlikely to get a federal abortion ban because we don't have the House seats in the Senate. But I think she is, I, and I think this is kind of a lot of people's misconceptions and, and, and when they're viewing the Republican debate, that Republican debate had nothing to do with putting forth the most nuanced point. That was about swaying the general election or the, the, the crowd there. It was about swaying the polls 
And when you try to have the super nuanced conversation that she was trying to have on that debate stage, she's going to just make, make herself actually look silly in the eyes of most people, which is how most serious conservative and Republican voters kind of felt about her afterwards. She did good. She did far better than she was expected to do, but she didn't knock anybody's socks off because she wasn't doing what some of the other candidates were doing. That debate stage, there's too many people to have a full, in-depth view of your political views. And when you say something like it's never going to happen, then you open yourself up to the attack of which she was attacked on is like, oh, well, you're not pro-life enough. But DeSantis, that was like probably the best thing DeSantis did the whole night is give his pro-life stance in the manner that he gave it. So when it comes to DeSantis, um, and if I'm thinking about everything that DeSantis did, I might give you that might have been his best moment because he everything else was terrible, honestly. DeSantis did not stand out for me. Um, I think he he tried too hard. He never answered the question, and he wanted to stand out a lot, but he just never stood out, especially in comparison to uh, Vivek, if we're talking about the politics game. Now, when it comes down to what you said in terms of harsh, but I mean, I'm just I'm being I'm being honest. Hey, man, I'm being honest. But when it comes to um, the appealing to the the folk, um, I definitely see what you're saying. You got to you got to play the politics game to appeal to these people who don't really understand this stuff that's how i'm gonna put it that's what i from what i've seen i don't i just don't think people understand this stuff they want to appeal to very generalized um ambitious statements that really have no substance um i was actually watching before i started streaming on or maybe i was doing a podcast episode one of the two i was watching the daily wire doing their the the debate and they're talking about everything stage thing yeah they're talking about uh the backstage they're talking about everything before the the debate panel and a lot of them were talking about a lot of candidates and when uh i think shapiro brought up vivek he was like um uh, he compared vivek and DeSantis. he said DeSantis was an individual who just like he gets stuff done but he like sucks at the politics game and then vivek um doesn't get anything done says a lot of crap but he's really great at the politics game and that's honestly yeah. that's exactly how i feel about vivek he says a bunch of crap oh. and but he's really good at I the think... politics game um but one one more thing when it comes to uh nikki haley is that for me i do think i don't think she backtracked when she said it's not gonna work i th- i mean from what my understanding on what she said is that there are certain standards that we should abide by and should name like four or five standards that are very, very reasonable for both sides in terms of bipartisanship. But she says a federal abortion ban is unrealistic based on the same thing that she was talking about. The Democrats and Republicans will never yes. objectively agree on this. And, and this goes back to Bergam's point at the end of the day is if we can create, if we can create an objective standard that everybody agrees with, not just Republicans, that everybody agrees with in terms of life, because I do think you can do that. And once we do, because it most Dem- most people on the left don't agree, don't agree with like, like, um, like a late term abortion anyway. 
Most of them don't agree with that. Most of them don't think you should have an abortion to birth. Most people don't agree with that. But there's not an objective standard. There's some people who say six weeks. There's some people who say 12 weeks. Some people say 18 weeks. And yeah. that's, that's what they try to figure so, out when it comes to life. If you don't have that differentiating feature, what's going to happen is like we're going to have uh, potentially a Republican up there. He's going to make this federal abortion ban for six weeks. And then a Democrat's going to go, oh, the six weeks is way too loose. I'm going to change it to 12 or 18 weeks. And then it's just going to keep on going back and forth. And we're going to have the same problem yeah. we had when it, when it came to Roe v. Wade in the first place. So it, we're just going back to a situation we were just under. So I, I agree somewhat and i'm not saying i'm not making the accusation that nikki haley is not pro-life enough i did go back and i did a little bit i tried to find as much as i could about what her policies were i couldn't find a whole lot um i'm what i'm saying is that is practically speaking for the purposes of that debate what she did so for the purposes of that debate she said that she was pro-life but then by initiating that conversation the way that she did at the timing that she did effectively opened her up to the critique that she's not pro-life enough. That's what I was saying. And so that wasn't, I don't think that was the right time for that kind of a discussion because Vivek played that game, right? That's why everybody by and large practically says that Vivek won that debate because he got the most eyeballs. He got, I think Mike Pence technically had the most talking time, but that's because he talks so slow um facts uh that he just took up the most time but vivek the camera was almost always on vivek right and that's what you wanted in that instance you wanted more people talking about him because now more people are going to watch his old clips and in your accusation of him that uh and we can talk about fake now um but your accusation of him is that uh he didn't really talk about any policy well the thing is is he played that game right because he didn't talk a lot of policy. He wasn't up there giving his nuanced perspective on things. But he got more people to know the name of Vivek Ramaswamy. He made, I think, some big errors. I'll give you that much. But now more people are going to be following him and actually finding out what his policies actually are. As for the Daily Wire and the backstage thing that you're talking about, I was also watching that. Um, I didn't get to watch okay. all of it. I watched a good size. I probably ended right after they start started talking about aliens and then it was like what are you? <laughs> that that the aliens bro that just take over the yeah. conversation um well um, i would say this real quick i'll say this before we dive deeper into vivek is that i agree that he played the politics game really well i've said that consistently that he plays the politics game extremely well like he obviously played it the best there i would say second best would probably be, I would argue second best with Nikki Haley, personally, because I don't think DeSantis said much, but he tried to play the politics game. And if you want to say Chris Christie, then I get maybe Mike Pence, you could argue too. Um, I think but Pence did pretty well, all things considered. I think, I actually gave a decent amount of points for Pence, actually, without everything considered. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about both Vivek and Pence. But my, my, the point I'm going to make here is I get the politics game and I get the purpose. I personally hate the politics game because what at the end of the day is just a bunch of false promises a bunch of manipulation of the people and when you have people like myself like you like people from the daily wire like people from young turks when you have people who actually understand how the, what's going on in the country and the politics and you listen to people like this and to be fair not everybody's going to understand 
so I get it. But when you have people like us listening to something that like what Vivek is saying, you realize that it's just manipulating the people. He's just playing a personality. He's none of the stuff he says is going to actually happen if he magically got into office. So it'll just be a bunch of false promises, a bunch of people disappointed who actually wanted these things to get done. And then we would have four years of nothing happening. So my position is that I understand the politics game. I just want to make sure I just want to help other people, more people understand that this guy is just playing the politics game. He's not going to actually do anything he's saying. He may believe what he's saying, but all this is all this is unrealistic standards that he's trying to put out there. And all of the things that he's saying is stuff that if they magically did happen in the country could destroy the nation, in my personal opinion. So that I want people, more people to understand that it's go beyond the politics game and really think about yeah. how the country should be run. So that's how I, I approach a, it. There's a couple things with that, that I, that I kind of agree with. And a couple of things I, I disagree with. Um, I think the politics game is fine. That's, that's what they're doing. I think if you can't look at it with humor, then no humor is fine. Lying um, is my no, issue. I'm saying, I'm saying, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, observing the politics game and being angry with it, maybe. And I'm not leveling this attack at you. I just want to no, like, people like because this is kind of how my mom is, right? Is it makes her angry? Like, why are they attacking each other? Like, I'm on, I'm on a YAF group. Um, on my campus and that's what they they're like why are all the candidates arguing with each other like what do you mean why are they arguing with each other like they get upset like why does trump keep attacking desantis they're on the same team it's like that's why they're attacking each other because they're running for the same position that's what you that's politics and if that upsets you maybe you shouldn't concern yourself with politics if it's just going to like agitate you like it's an important thing yeah but I mean, that's part of the process. You kind of just, it comes with it. Now, I actually agree to that. I agree that the debating is important. The attacking of positions is important. Attacking of character, I think, is lame and cringe. But positions is important, all that stuff. My, My big thing here, my framing is lying and that's the big thing. When you're just going out there lying and manipulating people and just playing a character. Absolutely. This is what I think this is when when it comes to Vivek, this is I think is the issue with that accusation. We don't know how much of what he says is bluster. When it comes down to it, we simply don't know because he has no track record in politics. This is the same accusation that people made about Trump. We how he's just saying a bunch of things. But we don't we didn't know. And when he got into office, he made good on a hefty portion of those promises as much as he could. I think this is one of the big differences between Vivek I don't even know if that's true. I'm sorry. I don't how much promises did he really keep? I'm not really like he he, he I think credit to and I agree with Republicans on this. Illegal immigration for the country as a whole is not great. He started out okay, but apparently he scaled back on that as well. So, so I don't really know a lot how of much... issues good. Yep. I, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot either, right? Because when I kind of became aware and started paying interest into politics, it was in 2019-ish, 2020, 
when it was at the back half. Like COVID is kind of what got me into really investigating politics. So that I'll give credit. I'll I'll admit that I don't really know a lot of whole lot of the promises that he made. From what I have heard from people who I listen to, the commentators, the articles that I read, there are a lot of things that Trump did that people liked, and it was consistent with the kind of campaign he was running and the kind of things he said he was going to do. I know he did. Obviously, everybody, uh, everybody on my side agrees that if he did nothing else, the fact that he got Roe v. Wade overturned and got the three justices appointed was good enough. Um, that is that was a big thing. Um, I don't know a whole lot of the other things, but the point of the matter is, nobody thought he would be a legitimate candidate because of what he did and the way that he talked and the way that he said things. I think this is a difference between him and Vivek. There's two differences. This is one that I heard and one that I kind of paid attention to and figured out myself. One that I heard. One of the big things that lost Vivek a lot of points is he constantly said that I'm the only candidate up here that's not bought and paid for. So I can actually say this. And everybody else is holding to their super Oh, yeah. He said this. that a lot. Yeah. He said that a lot. That was obviously one of his. And Mike Pence called him out. Oh, is that one of your pre can speeches? Like, well, no, honestly, <laughs> it's not. It's like, okay, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Don't act like you didn't rehearse. Anyways, Trump did the same things. But there was a difference. He never made a blanket statement like that. It would be one candidate would come at him with something. And he would say, Oh, yeah, well, you're bought and paid for, so blah, 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 blah. There's a difference between attacking somebody back after you were attacked and making the attack initially. I think that was one of Vivek's big faults. Difference between him and Trump. A lot of the things that that Trump did promise to do that he didn't end up doing is because he promised something that Congress really had the authority to do. This is something that I've paid attention to, and I'm sure I'm, I haven't caught all of them, but a lot of the things, and Vivek said this himself. I don't know how consistent he has been with it because I haven't listened to every single speech that he's given. One of the things he said is all of the promises that he has been making have been within the presidential purview. So a lot of it has to do with reform of the bureaucracy, which is part of the EOP, Executive Office of the President, yep. which means they're technically his employments. And he has been very specific to point out, listen, I'm going to call a lot of that. And people come out and be like, oh, the title, whatever bill that allows you to not just fire people for any reason. He said that uh, that law does not apply to mass layoffs, which is what he's going to do to the uh, bureaucracy, mass layoffs. And he brings out, listen, if you don't have the authority to fire somebody, then they don't work for you. You work for them. And so a lot of the promises that I have noticed he is saying have specifically to do with jobs that the president could do. So it is reasonable that he could do them. He doesn't have Trump's excuse of, oh, Congress wouldn't let me. So that's what I would say about the Vivek. I agree, and it seems that he has some fluctuations with his policy and what he's putting forward. Yeah, some people did bring up that he said a few things that he said uh, that he said something completely different in in a book that he wrote. And people called him out for yeah. that on the debate panel. I, I never read the I'm book, so sure. I don't know how true that is. I'm not sure. I've read some of his book, but it's also like oh, I would kind of want like if you are we not allowed? Are people not allowed to change their opinions anymore? Like is that well? I don't know. That? I don't know. Vivek admitted that he changed his opinion. So that's true. But Trump has done that all the time. Well, he Trump said, is a liar. Like, so Trump's done so many things like that. So come on, guys. That's, that's not that's... a good comparison. See, okay. Yeah. So this is me. Um, Trump. 
I don't believe he's done uh, anything. Oh, not anything. Let me let me just draw back the hyperbole. Let's be let's be factual gentlemen up here. I don't think Donald Trump did a lot, especially compared to the the promises that he said he was gonna do when it came to president. Um, you know, running for president. I think for the most part, and you know, watching that uh, Daily Wire thing, there's a lot of things that I actually agreed with, like Shapiro and Clavin. I agree with a lot of the things they both said. Clavin is. I think Clavin's one of the most articulate. Yeah, him and Shapiro said a lot of things that I agreed with. And they one of the things they brought up, which I agree with, get is that Donald Trump was of it, baby. Huh? We'll get you on the Daily Wire side. We'll get you on my side. Keep listening to them. The the, the problem with the left is they they don't have a good collective of like intellectual individuals. Honestly, the only one I I like right now is Destiny. Shout out Anna Kasparian, you're coming on the good side. The Young Turks overall suspect. Um, with that said, like they say they, they were the, one of those people that was saying to Jones a bunch of like crap before, bro. Like they were saying like, uh, stuff about Kyle Rittenhouse is a murderer. Like they were one of those people that are just, just okay. way too progressive, way too progressive for my liking. Like think logically, come on, use your brain. Uh, so Anna Kasparian is coming around though. Shout out to her. Um, but with that said, my one, a few things that they said about like Trump is that one back in the day when it came to politics, which is, I think me and you can appreciate is like, they would obviously focus more on the policies, attack positions, talk about what's the betterment for the country. And that there's a growing sense of disdain of the, the, the people when it comes to their viewpoint of, of the country, which is when Donald Trump, when he came in that kind of, you know, resonated with them. Donald Trump perfectly encapsulated those people. Um, and not only that, the, the person he went against, Hillary Clinton, is like one of the most hated candidates of all time. So it's right. like it, it was a perfect layup for Trump. But then when he got into office, a lot of the promises he said he didn't really do um, at the end of the day. And when it comes down to, you know, Shout out, shout out a few things, you know, with uh, helping the economy. Some like uh, small business owners did like some of the things he did. Of course, um, his handling of COVID. A lot of people on the Republican side did not like how he handled handled uh, COVID, of course. And Ouchie. yeah, a lot of people didn't like that. Uh, he did obviously do his job in appointing Supreme Court justices, uh, the Roe v. Wade situation. But now we want to create a federal ban. So I don't know. I don't know how much that actually helped. But with that said, he also inducted an FBI, uh, new FBI person. Now other Republicans hate him as well. So it, my biggest thing, like he, he did a lot of small things. He had a lot also, of bad appointments. Yeah, he did. A, he did a lot of things that didn't really do a lot in the grand scheme. Uh, something that Clavin said that I agree with is that Trump made everybody his enemy as well. Like Republicans didn't really like him. Obviously, Democrats hated yeah. his guts. So he created he, he like uh, made a lot of enemies on all both sides of the aisles. And then he created an yeah. anti-establishment rhetoric. Now the, the Republicans and conservatives hold on to where it's like, oh, yeah, the system is bad when they go against Trump. Yeah almost every single time and obviously what happened at, when it came to the election next time the election fraud and oh yeah they stole the election from him all this jizz jazz and so like my my thing with trump is uh my thing with trump is like 
he says a lot of things. He appealed to the people, but when it came to action, he didn't really do a lot. And when it comes to Vivek, and he's doing a lot of the same rhetoric now, we'll, I will concede that when it came to the executive powers, when it comes to tearing down the FBI, tearing down the Department of Justice, and a bunch of other stuff that he was trying to do when it comes to these bureaucracies, like, technically, yeah, I mean, he these are under the executive branch, technically. I, I don't. I would have to see so very strong logic on how getting rid of all these bureaucracies will be the betterment of the country. But that's something I would have to hear, of course. And I'm going to watch um, because someone, people say, oh, yeah, he has policies and in interviews. So the the Ryan Shaw, I'm going to see that interview with him and Vivek to see. I think it's two hours. I might stream in and react to everything that he's saying with that and see what's happened. Um, but. With that said, He's got like one, if you find the, there's one that's like entirely question and answer, where he spells out a lot of his policy stuff through. I think it's on Forbes, the Forbes channel. Um, oh, I, I mean, maybe I'll check that, out, especially if it's less couple. than two hours. Because I went in the comment section, and was like, yeah. "Give me an interview to watch if he has a bunch of policies," and nobody's giving me an interview. Yeah, so cool. he's got. I think he's got one with Bill Maher that I've been listening to, and um, I like Bill Maher. Um, he pushes back sometimes. He's okay. Um, uh, he's opinionated. He's opinionated. Yeah, um, I so I have people who actually are opinionated. That's respect thing. I haven't finished that one quite yet, so we'll we'll see how much policy actually talks about in there. But the one in the Forbes, he spells out a lot of like his policy kind of stuff. You should listen to. Have you heard of Patrick Bet David? Yeah, TBD podcast. Yeah. So oh no TBD. no valuetainment so, no I yeah. Don't. They've been way too red pill for me lately. <laughs> They're interesting. He's interesting. I don't know about the other hosts, but I like PBD. I like Patrick Bet David. Patrick um, Bet is he the? He's, he's the main one. Okay, like the. So they have was it Middle Eastern, Arabian, Indian? Yeah, he's like he's like Middle Eastern. One of those, and I'm black, so I can't be racist, right? Uh, okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. With that said, yeah, he's been a little kind of too red pill for me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know. agree with a lot of things he says. Regardless, he's got a lot of great, keen political insight to what's going on. He has some fascinating breakdown of what Tucker Carlson's been doing, uh, and he's got some theories about that. My, I bring him up because he has a podcast where it's a it's a town hall, is what he called it. And he just questions and answers interrogates Vivek pretty well and gets like explicit. Do you have a policy to do this sort of thing? So okay. that one is good. I have to, I have to vet it a little bit. Cause like, I don't want a, people just giving politicians layups. Same thing with the RFK. Sure. Cause I don't want people just giving him layups too. Like, Oh, layup question to make yourself look good. I want to make sure it's yeah, like, exactly. let's get to the meat and potatoes. So yeah. So yeah, for sure. I so I mean I'll, I'll see I'll pr I'll probably watch one of them regardless I'll probably watch one of them and react to it uh to see like what Vivek's true stances are more than likely based off his rhetoric if it's consistent with that he better have very very sound logic to elicit a lot of the things he's saying because it just sounds like okay the establishment's bad I'm just gonna rerun it and that's not how a democratic nation our democratic nation works where you could just tear everything down when you feel like it so yeah we're that's gonna, what the... gonna have to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, this is one of the things that has made Trump popular. And I'm not I'm not on the Trump train. Right. I think he's been a good president. 
I think of the last couple of years, the last couple of presidents we've had, he's been one of the better ones, especially in just like if we're if we're simply comparing like how much the cost of living is, how easy it is to exist in our economy, how easy it is to buy a home by all these standards. Um, he was better than what we have now. Not saying he is the best. I wouldn't even put him in like the top 10 of the best presidents, but well, he was been a good. Hopefully president. not top. T- We're going to do a president tier maker. Don't y'all worry. Okay. We'll, we'll okay. see where we put Donald um, Trump at. Uh, but at the same time, because they did talk about Bidenomics, the first, well, actually, the first question they talked about that song on that yeah. one. Yeah, I saw the guy, the Richmond, north of Richmond. I saw the guy did a reaction video. He said, I wrote the song, the song about those guys. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, bro, imagine the first question of a politics debate would be about some song. Like, that's crazy. Um, But they did talk about Bidenomics. And I just think, which I appreciate for Nikki Haley because she didn't just do the blanket. Oh, it's all Biden's fault. Blame Biden. Blame Biden. She was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it is Biden's fault, but it's also Republicans fault when it comes down oh, to sure. it. So she was actually squishy Republicans. Yeah, they put in bills. And uh, when it came down to that, that was also very bad during COVID time as well. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you only could do so. people need to realize, like, you only could do so much when a global pandemic happens, right? So to yeah. just put everything on Biden is a little disingenuous. That's what I well, think. you know, he hasn't done a great job. That's I agree. There's a little bit of disin. This is but this is one of the things that they really accuse a lot of the Republicans say Trump really mishandled is the fact that he shut the country down when there really wasn't a need to do it to the extent to which he did, and then. The reason that they keep that we can put a lot of blame on Biden is obviously he kept the nation shut down for way too long when he got the power. We knew relatively early on that it wasn't actually that dangerous. It went under Trump's dominion. We knew pretty early on that it wasn't that dangerous and that it wasn't something that the whole economy needed to be shut down for. But then he kept it shut down and then Biden kept it shut down. I think another factor is is that if that America wasn't the only country shut down too, all the like the entire world is basically shut down. So even if we yeah, were the more only or less. ones, but then there's places like Italy that reopened and quit all the mask mandates within two weeks, right? And proportionately, they did not lose a whole lot of lives. Like looking at the proportion, because we can't just swap numbers; we have to do per whatever metric. They did not have an astronomically high death toll. They had a very high contraction rate, but that's a good thing because if they're not dying, but they're getting the disease more, that means it's not dangerous anymore. That means they're becoming immune to it. And Italy did that really quick, really quick, and they didn't suffer a lot of death. Um, I would have to look into that. But at the end of the day, one thing I will say is that it's a very – very tough situation to be in when it comes to a global pandemic. So even Trump, like I only can blame these people so much. Now, if you want to say like he, he could have done it better. I mean, I agree. He could always do things better at the end of the day. But uh, when it comes to relatively unknowns, I don't know how much I truly can blame someone, which is why, you know, obviously I like some of the, the, the nuanced positions, but to kind of go back into, um, we were getting into 
we were talking about Vivek, Nikki Haley. Oh, we're oh, I guess we might as well get into. Uh, well, before we move on from Vivek, I think there's one other important thing that we should address. Actually, we should. And before, oh, I'm gonna let you ask for your thing. But actually, we should go to like all the the, the main points, and uh, and then obviously we could talk about Tucker Carlson and Trump's interview as well. But we should talk I about all the. It, so I did. I, I hated it and it was boring. But I'll talk about it anyway. But yeah, go ahead, and um, then we'll talk about some of the main points that was brought up for the, the debate panel. I think Vivek is not running for president. I think the general belief, yeah. yeah, I think he's running for VP. I'm pretty good. I could also be easily convinced that he's actually because in Ohio we have a Senate running, a Senate election coming up relatively soon. So he could be going for it too because he lives in Columbus. There's a rumor out there that Trump put on his social media platform that uh, DeSantis might drop out the race and go back to run for senator of Florida is what Trump said. I'm going to say is what Trump said. I, I have my thoughts about DeSantis and everything. We can talk about that, too. Uh, let's go. Yeah, let's go in order for point by point. Uh, might rehash a few things. But, I mean, we talked a little bit about Biden. I guess we started off with Bidenomics. I'm not talking about their opinions about the song, some singer. It was dumb. Um, but Bidenomics, I guess we talked about that a little bit. I mean, I think, I guess we should say this. Who do we think had the best point? I th- Obviously, I think Nikki Haley had the best point when it came to Bidenomics. What do you think? Oh, I could agree to that. Team Nikki Haley. All right. Let's... Don't put me on that. Don't <laughs> let's... put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Let's go to, I think the next point was uh, climate change. They uh, they had a kid ask a question about climate change. Oh, what yeah. The next one. Vivek um, made the best point. Barring his, everybody else is a sellout. Climate change is a total hoax. But... Well, we're going to get to that. Shout out to, there's a podcast episode that should have already been out. Make sure you check that one out. Um, We had a climate change experts come on the show and their solution for climate, well, one solution, they don't have overarching solution, but one solution they have for climate change is that they found an algae that can absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So what they did is they created a paint using living algae that you can paint things with that will casually take carbon dioxide out the atmosphere. And the reason casually why take it out. Yeah, I'm like, you don't have to do anything. You just paint your house and it's just taking carbon dioxide out the atmosphere. Because wow, the algae stores something. the carbon dioxide. Right? That's so really cool. That's what I'm saying. And I, I was like, this is such a great solution because it's not, it's unrealistic to think that you're gonna turn off your television and stop driving your car, but all you have to do is paint. That's so practical so reasonable so easy to do this is the type of solutions we need for society make sure you check out that climate change episode where we go in depth with that but i just want to shout that out real quick but uh yeah what were you saying um climate change the climate changes all the time right uh the earth is warming right i've done my own deep dive into the science and everything I've read the ICCS reports, um, I've read the UN reports, all that sort of stuff. Um, read the books on it. the The globe is warming very, very insignificantly. A um, couple other points I could make. Firstly, all the scientists said that if we didn't do something within ten years, 
then there's no point. So uh, then the damage is done. Well, so that 10 years that everybody predicted uh, happened two months ago, I think. Um, so viva la vida, right? It doesn't matter anymore. All the scientists said that doom was upon us. So we don't do anything with the 10 years. The 10 years happened. They also said that 60 years ago and, and 20 years ago and all the years ago. There's all that that you could talk about it. But there's also this, and this is, I think, the most significant point. Okay, more people, and I'll, I'll, I think I already sent you all these articles in the past, so you should have them. All the things I'm about to say. Um, probably don't know. He'll lie. Probably want to send it again. Okay, okay. So more people die from cold deaths than from heat deaths every year, um, by a large margin. A large margin. So removing. Um, artificial climate control things such as burning energy to run ACs or heaters more particularly, um, removing those to stop people from heat deaths because the earth is getting warmer. It's actually going to take more lives, right? So if the globe warms as a net collective, people's lives would be saved. Even if the warm, uh, even if the earth does warm, because right now, Hundreds of thousands of people die from cold deaths as opposed to thousands of people that die from heat deaths. Not trying to minimize people's suffering and people dying, but if we're looking at it as a political level, as a problem that needs to be solved, the earth warming is a net positive for total lives lost. The problem is, is does that make sense? Right? That's it, logical. I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think that captures the full picture of the earth as a whole heating up but i i, I under, understand yeah. what you're saying there's a lots of very and, and that's because the the pro climate change scientists paint such vivid images like for some reason the war the war the globe warming is going to cause these hurricanes and, and things like that but at the same time every time that they say that there's a super arid weather, that's climate change. But when it rains a whole lot, that's also climate change. And there's also the fact that they always say that the the polar ice caps are melting, right? <clears throat> well, they're talking about the Arctic. The Antarctic is growing, right? So the, the sphere of influence of the, the North Pole is getting smaller as the sphere of influence of the South Pole is getting bigger. So... Like which one is it? Like that's going to be a net equal for the the consistency of the so ocean water. Antarctica right? is growing. Yes, the South Pole is growing. Last time, I, as I checked, right, I might have misread. I'm I'm not going to claim to know that. As no, no, no worries. We're that, not we're not doing gotchas over here. But, but I just want to yeah. make sure. Yeah, as far as I know, the South Pole is growing as the North Pole is shrinking. Unless you're a flat earther, then it's all the same thing. But y'all go to the moon. Go to the moon. Um, so I, I definitely see a lot of you saying. Now, I personally do think climate change exists, but I also think climate change activists go way too far, and they can be extremely annoying. Um, I'm gonna send you a book. So there, there's uh there's definitely that goes into it, and maybe we could have a full. I mean, if we need to, we can have a full episode on diving into the intricacies of climate change in the future. But with that said, my thing with it is that 
I mean, if the Antarctica thing is true, then I can't deny that. My understanding is that the the more that the, you know the North and South Pole keep on decreasing and rising the sea level, obviously that would be dangerous. But one thing that I again agree with, like someone like Ben Shapiro, I think humans can adapt to these circumstances. They just have to have the um, you know foresight to know. Yeah, and eventually this is going to happen. We just have to adapt because obviously the earth is consistently changing. So, um, I'm not like, I don't think of the apocalyptic nature of global warming and all that stuff. But I also recognize that the industrialization age has put a lot of very toxic, uh, you know, stuff in the air for a, a lot of other places. Of course, you know, some places it's even hard to breathe. So there's at the end of the day, when it comes to climate change, the problem is that the left goes too far, but at the same time, saying it's a hoax is also being very disingenuous because we, we know that our impact on Earth actually did have an impact um, from what I've seen. And if we can somehow create solutions like the solution I said with the paint and the algae, which is way more practical than turning off your heaters or ACs then I think we definitely should create solutions like that instead of completely dismissing the idea ent entirely and just hoping that it never a uh, long-term effect doesn't happen in the future. So that's, so that's just, basically um, my take on that. I just found a report from NASA that as of 2015, it says that the Antarctic snow accumulation that began 10,000 years ago is currently adding enough ice to the continent to outweigh the losses. So, so it's evening out is what they said. For well... You. To outweigh the losses, so yeah, it's either growing or staying about the same. So it doesn't. It's a net. So wash. And then the north po North Pole is decreasing. I don't. I didn't. Re I just. I just looked up to fact check my Antarctica claim. So okay. And that's just one. I could look for other ones, but there's a couple things that I'd say. Um, I kind of agree that dismissing it entirely is disingenuous. Calling it entirely hoax because the climate is changing. Right. Um, I don't think it's a crisis, though. I think this is the issue is they're doing the same thing that they're doing that they did for COVID. They said COVID is a crisis. So we need to do X, Y, Z. It's not clear whether their X, Y, Z policies are going to help climate change. What would help climate change is going over to nuclear energy because there's no emissions. There's I've yet to hear a good cause for why not to do climate change they claim a lot of i actually the, agree to that which i actually said vivek i agree nuclear energy people were too scared for scared of it for some reason i mean i yeah. get why because the you know the bombs but well it's I not the bombs it's the, it's the breakdown well that's why people are scared of it is what i'm saying but there's so much stuff out there now saying the effects of them have been much smaller than we thought and it was gross oversight uh, a, a gross lack of oversight when it comes to some places. Anyways, it's not clear to me that their policies are going to help. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but windmills aren't going to cut it. They're not going to help. And hey, I, I'm not they, getting, we shouldn't get rid of windmills though. Just, no, they still have a purpose. But, going, but they're, they're not feasible to turn all of our energy over to wind energy. Agreed. It's not feasible Agreed. to turn all of our energy over to solar energy. It Agreed. is feasible to do nuclear energy. Oh, And it's not, Oh, man, I saw this wave video and I have to bring this up. I, I, I want to bring this up. If we could, because I saw a video and they were talking about like the levels uh, in terms of energy consumption 
and the levels of humanity progression that like there's different levels of humanity progression we're on like level two right now but if we were on level three would be able to travel to other planets and the way to like, increase the levels the the biggest way to increase your levels is energy um energy the the, the I forget the word, but just utilizing energy the most efficiently as possible and absorbing more energy, obviously. So yeah. the best way to do that, shout out nuclear energy, but the best way to do that at the end of the day is harnessing more power from the sun, 100%. But we don't have an efficient okay. way to do that as of right yeah. now. Okay. The most, practical way, the most practical way is nuclear energy. I am also, I'm just not convinced, especially having read this book and, and all the, and looking at the science and looking into all the reports. Like one of the things they say is an effect of climate change is the level and aggression of hurricanes in the recent past. <coughs> Excuse me. But that's not true. If you look back to data that we have from early 1900s, it's like essentially a completely even triangle after triangle after triangle of aggression and damage of hurricanes. Hurricanes are not any more dangerous. They're not any more harsh or damaging than they were in the past. If you just look what they. displaying the number of the temperature outside and it was a totally normal colored number and then they lay it over with now and it's like the red emergency temperature reading it's like and they try to claim that's climate change but 20 years ago they weren't worried about that temperature at all it was totally fine yeah um i had to switch my headphones so if a little audio key like blinked out sorry about that um because these things died on me so um but yeah overall i mean i think i mean we both agree that when it comes to climate change that they uh over exaggerate its impact on society now i personally still think it exists Pro i probably think that it does have an impact maybe larger than jonathan exists um but there's always things that we can do to kind of decrease our carbon footprint on society. The solution I uh, said before is one great solution. We need more solutions like that, things that are practical and that don't take away with normal human, you know, interactions throughout society. And there are other things that we need to do that I think that are important to keep our to keep the ecosystem and nature uh, on its P's and Q's, right? Recycling, honestly, probably should be more of a incentive throughout because like my neighborhood doesn't even have a recycling bin. Like you just you throw every... talk about recycling at some point then. Recycling, recycling I mean, if you, regard, regardless, if you think it's a scam or not, if we can utilize more efficient ways to keep our ecosystem safe. It's like, don't throw, don't litter, don't throw garbage in the water, don't put oil in the water, don't put nuclear waste in the ocean. You know, there are, there are definitely things out there that we can make sure we're on our P's and Q's about to uh, ensure that 
nature and the ecosystem is as healthy as it can be because you know this is our home as they say but climate change activists uh protesting in the middle of the street preventing people from going to work if you ever do that to me i am running you over so i do not feel bad don't don't do that that's a terrible idea that makes people hate you and also the the armageddon personality makes people hate you too um so you said vivek I'm trying to remember what other people said. Not, I don't think a lot of people said. Nobody. Much. This is the thing: is everybody remembers what? This is why Vivek won, because everybody remembers what Vivek's answer, what Vivek's answers were, but a lot of other answers people don't remember. I remember Nick Haley's. What everybody, I, just, I don't. Remember what everybody his. remembers is either what Vivek said or what the people were responding to Vivek said, like Nikki Haley responding to Vivek, Mike Pence responding to Vivek. Nobody remembers what DeSantis said the whole time, except for two things. What I said, even people, a lot of people don't remember what he said about the abortion, but they do remember when he impersonated Trump. That might have been his best moment. He said he handed people over to Fauci, and I'd say, Fauci, you're fired. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a, obviously the only reason why people remember him for the climate change stuff because he called it a hoax. So it was like, <laughs> like he has a, he has one-liners and he's like appealing to the people. He's being an entertainer, not a actual leader of oh, a yeah. free world this is what ben shapiro pointed out is he's great at being an internet personality exactly he's great at it. exactly he's great at getting the clicks and saying the things and all the stuff and he's smart because he started like interviewing himself on a lot of podcasts which honestly oh, yeah. more politicians probably should do yeah go on different content creators platforms and showing your personality and kind of diving into these things in a little bit more depth um so climate change i mean i like the nuclear energy stuff but the fact that he said it's a hoax i can't agree with vivek so that 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 doesn't really help my situation so i'm gonna go null and void because everything else i think most people were saying it's real but not as not as bad as people make it seem is i think is the general sentiment um next was i think it was like abortion and obviously yeah, i think nikki that. haley won and you think DeSantis won on that one yeah uh, i think haley made a, a good valid argument but i just think it wasn't prudent for that time if that makes sense yeah it's not appealing like, to the dummies correct well honestly yeah <laughs> And there's going to be the dummies that are going to decide this vote. Because here's the thing: you're not all wrong. of the talking, all of the talking class, all of the people like us, the pundits and the smart. I would, I don't, I don't call myself smart, but all the smart. Hey, look people at this guy being modest. Politics, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The whole um, library in his room is being modest. Come on now. Um. Anyways, all the all the talking class people, all the talking heads, all the people who pay attention to politics, they already pretty much know who they're going to vote for. But it's all the people who aren't really paying attention to politics that are going to decide this election. And whoever can appeal to them, I mean, ultimately, for the Republican side, for the GOP primary, it doesn't matter. Because all of those people were up there running for second place, which says everything. A lot, yeah, a lot of them are hoping Trump can't run. Yeah, something that something stops Trump, or they're running for VP. Michael Malice had the best... He summarized the GOP debate the best, and he made the best point. He said, all said and done, when the, he was asked who won the debate, and he said, the Democratic primary base won that debate. Oh, Joe, Joe was, Biden's winning. I don't, know. I don't know about that. Well, this is so, this he actually gets back election. to the point that I wanted to make earlier that I forgot about. 
something else that Ben Shapiro said, which I think is one of his best points he's ever made. Every election is a referendum on one of the two candidates. And whoever can effectively make the vote a referendum on the other is the one who wins. And so he pointed this out with Trump and Hillary. Everybody thought Trump didn't stand a chance, but Trump was able to make the vote a referendum on Hillary, which means more people disliked Hillary than disliked him, so he won. In 2020, whether or not you believe that the election was written out is one thing, but enough people I do not. obviously did not like Trump. And they were able to make it a referendum on Trump and how Trump handled COVID and all that stuff. This election needs to be a referendum about Joe Biden and how bad Joe Biden is. And the fact that even if you think he's a good president, okay, which I don't, whatever. But if you don't believe that he is senile and dementia ridden and frail and essentially walking around stretched out on a gurney, he's not fit to be leader. And if you can't make it a referendum on that, then you're right. It doesn't matter who we run. We will lose to Joe Biden, especially with Trump making everything about 2020, which I think is important because he is being jailed. That is like an unprecedented thing for America. We have never before had a president, former or otherwise, arrested and put in jail. It's just mm-hmm. an agreement that we have, especially when he's the political rival. We taught, we stopped, we started the show off with talking about Putin assassinating his political rivals, and we're doing the same thing. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. But Joe, uh, Donald not Trump, me, personally, Donald Trump running around and saying how making everything about him is not helping with moderates. It's not helping with the 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 wide swath of people who ride the middle, such yep. as yourself, becoming appealing to him. Now, if his whole campaign was about all of the ills and faults of Don, of Joe Biden, because the media is obviously not going to help him out with that. The media shills for Biden on the daily. And all the corruption that he's been taking place in with, you know, his son's company and all that not covered in mainstream media. If he can't make it about Joe Biden, then he's certainly going to lose, like you said. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest the, the the downfall, I guess you can bring up Hunter Biden stuff, but like that's that stuff doesn't move me. But I, I would say well, it's, Hunter Biden stuff. it's the level with which it has now been shown with testimony by Devin Archer that Biden was very much involved in all of it. So yeah, Hunter Biden has his ills with the strippers and the crack cocaine and the hookers, but it's the crooked business deals that Joe Biden is involved with at a deep level, a deep level that they're just totally passing over because they do exactly what you just did. Oh, it's Hunter Biden, not Joe Biden. No, the point is Hunter Biden was peddling influence and making $80,000 a month by literally being the son of the vice president and having Biden call him on the phone and say, hey, dad, what's going on? Oh, I'm good. How are you? See, I have direct access to the vice president of the United States of America. They're giving me my $80,000. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that doesn't really move me. I mean, you just take advantage of a connection. All rich people do that. Whether you agree with it or not, that's, that's a completely different story. I don't agree with it, but like, it's not a big enough deal for me to kind of... Uh, make a big case out of it but one thing i will say is i do think it's very valid to question biden's competency i do think that's extremely valid because one thing i will say is if trump went up against kamala harris 
he probably would be Kamala Harris. Honestly, it would be a Hillary Clinton situation all over again. So uh, it, it's a very interesting situation with Trump, with all the indictments and the potential imprisonment, and then Biden looking like he could barely stay awake for any amount of time. It's like, these are our two primary candidates for the for the next election. Wowee, that's, uh, that's kind of crazy. But we will see because... Um, well, who's the vice president? Kamala Harris and Vivek. Wow, that that is a that's a great VPs from our two primary nominees. That said, a lot of the things that you were saying about Donald Trump and how he should approach these things goes into the interview he had with Tucker Carlson, actually, because I watched that interview he had with Tucker Carlson. And I was like, okay, I'm curious to see what he's about to say. And basically all that happened is he talked about the election that robbed him they talked about uh jeffrey epstein about whether or not he was killed by someone yeah um they talked yeah i'm like and the fact that was funny for me for that one because tucker carlson kept on trying to say oh someone definitely killed him and then trump says well i don't know if someone killed him or not and tucker carlson kept on trying to like someone definitely killed him and trump just would not agree to that sentiment it was kind of funny to me not gonna lie tucker wants uh wants that conspiracy theory to be extremely true um i mean whether whether or not it's true i just found it funny that trump wouldn't agree to it what is it what does that say that trump wouldn't agree to it he's the anti-establishment guy I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's trying to like start a moderate campaign streak or something. Or maybe... maybe he was technically close to Epstein, so maybe he was involved. I don't know. There's a lot of lot of potential theories that can go on. Uh, so they talked about Epstein, the election. They talked about Sleepy Biden, obviously. Um, they talk about anything. Good old Sleepy Joe. Facts. Did Come talk... on, Joe. Can they talk about anything else that mattered? Uh, didn't they worry about how? Uh, are they trying? I saw this clip too. Are they trying to kill you? Are they trying to? Oh yes! Lord Every time Tucker Carlson brought that up, I was like, "Bro, ain't no way." He kept on trying to bring it up. It's like, "Well, they can't stop you, so the only way they could do, the only thing they could do, is to kill you." Are you worried that the Democrats gonna kill you? I'm like, "Bro." What are these questions? Yeah, it seems like a little bit from what I saw and what I've heard about it, it seemed like it was very much a shill question. Like it was just a bunch of layups. Oh, which yeah. is a shame because Tucker destroyed some people in Iowa. Like before the G the first like when they had a big convention in Iowa, like he was ending careers, it seemed. Um, and I don't know why. This is what Patrick Bet David was talking about. Um that they think, which I think it's prudent. I think DeSantis probably shouldn't have run. I think he could have continued. Um, he could have continued on as governor and continued to do these things, been loyal to Trump, endorsed Trump, for people to go out and vote for Trump. Trump does what Trump does, wins or loses, whatever. Next year, DeSantis runs, and now he has the full support of the Trump base because he's Trump 2.0. That would have been smart, Bigger, yeah. better, faster. Has a great track record in Florida. And then has the whole Trump base behind him. And then it's like a passing the torch thing. That Trump goes down and passes it to DeSantis and DeSantis comes up. Patrick Bet David thinks that's what Tucker's doing now. Tucker is forming an alliance with Trump and Musk. He's got the agreement with Musk on his platform on X, Tucker on X or Tucker on Twitter, whatever you call it. Giving lots of kudos to Trump. 
Trump's going with him. Who knows? Maybe Carlson ends up as VP. I don't know if that would happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if that would happen. But oh, regardless, Jesus. Carlson does what Carlson does. He's got a fantastic show going on on Twitter. He had a fan, he had the number one grossing show on uh, Fox. Whatever happened there happened there. But he works on works with Musk, who's you know, who knows what Musk is going to do? Whether that Twitter is going to survive? I think it will because I personally think X Twitter they're they're doing a lot of great things. They're going to introduce apparently calls like you can call people yeah. on he wants X. To create, he wants to turn it into WeChat. So you'll be able to do like Venmo, PayPal stuff on X as well. Like and it's so, uh, it's, it's going. I believe it's going in a very, very uh, good direction. But when it comes now, what you thought a couple months ago? No, that was more Paul. I was, I was always in the bank, like, hey man, make it the uh, public square that you're talking about, and we're in business. And I think he's going in the right direction. Personally, yeah, maybe it was Paul saying that it was gonna crash but yeah paul definitely thinks i thought, it's I thought you fail. i thought both of you thought for a second that it was not going to make it but maybe i'm wrong now nah, i'm uh um, i've been a, a low-key advocate of x being better yeah. now than it was before personally yeah um yeah. but with that i think with, with the tucker carlson stuff real quick um yeah i, I do think that a lot of that stuff was a uh, very layupy. i think i think, think it's a good point to say that he's trying to get close to get close to trump potentially um i mean if you want to bring up must then must as well i think that's a very interesting point to bring up um i'm i'm definitely curious though moving forward how what what his goal is going to be when it comes to this space because obviously he's not part of fox news and i don't know about like all these questions were just a bunch of conspiracy theory questions to be honest yeah so I don't know what his end all be all is gonna be with the, with all everything he's doing. I want to know how he's gonna make money with. I mean, I think uh, Elon's definitely looking into monetizing X more and more. So we'll we'll definitely see what uh we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, that interview was uh you know it was okay. No, it wasn't. It was boring. I hated it. I I just couldn't I couldn't bear watch it. I got bored honestly. I low key was awake falling asleep when I was watching the interview because it was just a bunch of rhetoric stuff and nothing was being said. Um, with that said, we went over a lot of the points that the nominees uh, talked about: uh, climate change, abortion. I guess we can end it. The education one. I guess there's two more. So we'll go first. We'll talk about the Ukraine. Russia situation mm. when they talked about that. Um, obviously, personally, I had Nikki Haley winning that. Um, hundred percent. Nikki Haley did well, and I think Pence did well. I think those two, for sure. I did think the they best. outperformed their expectations. Yeah, for that question specifically, Vivek probably did his worst. Honestly, he did not. That's where he cut the most flack because he's got a lot of good rhetoric when it comes to that, but with not much solid ground that he knows that it would work i think he has a good point in a china russia alliance that's gonna happen regardless so to give russia ukraine to prevent them to go into china it makes no sense yeah i agree i i think uh nikki haley had a good jab at him i don't know that i entirely agree with her position on it continuing in continuing to give money to Ukraine, to Ukraine, yeah, 
because what she put, I don't know that it's not a pro. She kept saying that Russia, uh, that Ukraine's a pro-America country. I don't think that's true. I don't think they're now. They're not a pro. They're a pro-America right now because we've been yeah. showing them a bunch of money. But before that, they're just as crooked as Russia ever was. No, I agree, I mean, but like, depends on like. Obviously, it really comes down to Zelensky, right? So yeah, they're pro. They're only pro-America insofar as America continues to give them money. So they're always going to be pro-America as long as we're shilling them money. As soon as we stop shilling them money, then they're not going to give two craps about what America thinks. I don't know. I would it really would, because especially if they join NATO, then a hundred percent they have to care what America thinks. So that's why yeah, I'm like, a, I'm curious. This NATO either, but. I mean, agree to disagree there, but I I would say I have faith in Zelensky to kind of keep up the, I I mean, it's it's not, they're not going to be a Western country in the East, obviously, but they're going to be more Western in the East than they were before, obviously. I just disagree. I think that's a little bit idyllic. Um, But to be fair, I'm not a Ukrainian expert, right? So I'm just one of these people on Twitter who all of a sudden became like an expert in Ukraine when it when it happened i think i think DeSantis is correct in saying that this has been a border dispute and i can say that because historically it's been true for a thousand years literally not quite a thousand a couple hundred years russia and ukraine have been doing battle over this border over right. what is ukraine's and what is russia's it happened it will always happen i don't i think i think DeSantis, i think DeSantis won that and saying that, yeah, it's a border dispute. Um, I think border dispute, but like Russia's took it another step forward and trying to take over the entire country. Sure, sure. So I can't really say border dispute there when it's like it's at that point you're just trying to take away their sovereignty. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I think somebody, money at this point, giving the amount of money that we're giving them is. Nikki Haley said only three percent of the defense budget. Yeah, but I don't, I don't care about Ukraine. But like, the, no, the problem is not Ukraine. The problem is if Russia takes Ukraine and then goes like, okay, I want to start messing with the Baltics, and then China goes like, okay, I want to start messing with Taiwan. All of this is bad for America. Sure. All of it. Sure, sure, right, and that's true. But I also think both DeSantis and Vivek made a good point in that. If we're concerned about border disputes and people invading other people's countries, what about our own border? See our episode on the border patrol. But we talked about that at length. Agreed. And they made a point that oh, they made a they made a point. Oh, we can do both. Uh, and I agree to that. We have not been doing both. We have not been doing both. It's not been working out that way at all. So let's 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 rank order issue one and issue two. Everybody says oh, everybody has promised oh, I'm going to get the border under control asap. Okay, well then do it ASAP, and then worry about Ukraine. But let's 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 categorize our issues. Issue number one to the American people and the American interest is whether or not we even have a country here because we don't seem to have any borders. If we don't have any borders, then we're not a country. Right. And once we get that under control, then let's worry about other countries on literally the other side of the world. Yeah, so I completely disagree with that notion. I do think we can do both. I think it would be kind of ridiculous for us being the world power, the country that all the other countries look to and think that we could just forget that they all exist, especially when they're having problems. And I do think when it comes to the border, I, 
the border is more of a situation where it's like, oh, yeah, we can't deal with it because of Ukraine versus they're just not dealing with it. So I agree there. It's just like Biden and the Democrats are just not dealing with it, which is actually does like, bro, close. I, I'm one of those people close the borders. And I also that's why I brought up to JJ. I would also argue that we should potentially and I would be willing to discuss this, obviously, with someone. Potentially, if we once we close the border, made like illegal immigration nearly impossible to get in our country. After that, maybe loosening up the immigration standards would be a next step, so people can still have the opportunity to get in the country as well. So I do think th- those could be a combined effort for bipartisanship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like Biden yeah. and Kamala, yeah, y'all. Are doing I don't want to rehash job. all the stuff about. Immigration, because we already talked about that in a full episode. Facts. I think that's a Check fair, the immigration episode. Facts. I think that's a fair point about that. You know, we should be able to do both at the same time if we really are this world power. Um, I think it comes down to this, though. I think whoever becomes president needs to just have the cojones to go over and, like, literally fly over and do, like, what Reagan used to do with, like, meeting all three people, what, you know, FDR... The famous picture of FDR, um, Stalin, and uh, Winston, and have those three meetings with these three people and say, "Listen, this is what's going to happen." Okay. Oh yeah. X Y Z is going to happen. Yep. X Y Z is going to happen. Zelensky, you are going to cede this one territory, but you, Putin, or whoever, if he's still alive, because it seems <laughs> to have very bad health issues, <laughs> you, Putin, you're going to knock this off right now. And if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. There's going to be tanks that land right outside of Moscow, and there's going to be this, and there's going to be uh, there's yep. going to be f there's, there's going to be an F twenty two that just flies right over the top of the Kremlin, and it's just going to do that every single day, like that sort of stuff. And I think that's what needs to happen. Somebody's going to have to be the loser, and it might have to look like Zelensky's the loser of this. Yeah, but you know he's prideful. been saying. Yeah. But he but he's too prideful, which is why it takes a strong America to say, listen, you are going to look like the loser and you can blame me. You like America Agreed. needs to take the big fall. America, the president needs to be able to take the big fall. And that's what Biden's not willing to do. And that's why this has gone on for so long, because he needs to say, Zelensky, you tell your people to blame America. America's the one that came in and did the settling of this issue, which caused you to lose some territory. But it saved a lot of lives. And so far, nobody's willing to do that. Yeah, I agree to that. I do think we need to do that um, to stop the war and all that stuff. But the thing is, we can do that without sending them another $42 billion or whatever. We don't need to send them any more money. That's my point. That money can be spent in education system, funding police officers, funding all these other things. That's part of our defense budget. Our defense budget doesn't need to go there. We need to negotiate to go over there. That's what we need. Um, if we had a pick the, between the two, I obviously would go negotiate or go over there, obviously. Um, but I would, it really depends on this situation with Russia and Ukraine. Cause if Biden doesn't do it and I do think he should, then just let it, I, we can't let Russia just have Ukraine. So that's like at least my stance on that one. We just can't let that happen, honestly. Um, but with that said, I just remind me of a thing with Donald Trump cause he, who said, well, one, he said he would, the, the Russia-Ukraine war would never happen. He would say, Putin, he basically was like, Putin, I would never let Putin do that or something like that. I don't know what he meant by that. I really wish he went into, like, I was like, 
how are you going to stop Putin from invading uh, Ukraine? I would have been curious to see what Trump's answer would what that would be. And then he also I know Putin. Putin's a friend of mine. I would have told him Putin, don't do it, Putin. And Putin, he wouldn't have done it. <laughs> That's probably would be his answer. He also said, he said uh, he prevented North Korea from sending nukes at us as well. That's what he, you know, I guess, I guess like the thing is like, we don't really know if that's true or not. Like, that's one of the things that it could totally be true. Like, <laughs> I, I can totally could. see Dallas going, G, G, you don't want to do this, G, G, I'm telling you, a lot of people have tried to send nukes at us and I tell them, don't do it. And they don't do it. Don't do it, G. It's like, the thing is, we don't know what everything he's done as a president. Like, that's not like we did the whole episode on like how much of the government do they tell us and how much Facts. do they keep secret. That's like, we point. really don't know. Like, I think but he did of... say that he did. So it's not even to keep it a secret. He, he was like, he went out and said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'll be, hey man, Trump, record everything. We have phones, record everything. <laughs> Bro, could you imagine if he had a podcast? That would be amazing. Like his own podcast. Well, Trump, That'd yeah. Trump is an entertainer. Like he obviously came from the entertainment business Trump for a it, as, Trump... it would be, he'll always be able to make money. Yeah. 100%. Trump could make it as a stand up comic, I think. Oh yeah, I think I think if the whole president thing fails, he could be a stand-up comedian. A bunch of political Get that jokes. Netflix special. Yeah, facts. Um, oh, oh, and yeah. the last point. Calling like, Rosie O'Donnell that big. Oh my goodness. The the last point that was talked about in the Republican nominee panel is they talked about education. Um, this is probably the one thing I wish I remember what Nikki Haley said about climate change because I just blanked on this one. But I can remember when it comes to education, this is probably. Uh, I, th- from my memory, I, th- I felt that this was her weaker point. Now she said, obviously reading is very valuable, which you like, you like reading. She said, we should incentivize more reading. She obviously said women should be in women's sports and only women, biological women. She said that as well. Um, but I definitely wish she, she went in more depth. I don't, when it comes to other people, one thing I really didn't like, and maybe you have a differing opinion. Cause I don't, I don't actually know was your stance. So, um, yeah, it was around the end. It was like the last point. Um, I don't think I caught this one then. Oh, okay. So they talked about education, how to make the education system better. And most people were saying things that I really didn't like. Um, And I don't, I don't know your opinion on unions. So you might, you may agree with them, but a lot of people were saying, um, well, one person, I think it was Pence. Don't quote me on that. One person says, okay, we can uh, incentivize more, private schools or something like that and and my that, those prob the idea was there it was trying to incentivize more charter and private schools or something like that allow families to be able to go to all these private schools and charter schools my issue with saying that is like you're p- completely dismissing the public education system in ins- entirely personally for me i would send my kid to a private school but if i'm the government I want to fix the public education system. So completely dismissing the public education system for private schools. At that point, we're starting to enterprise education. And that's what we don't want. Obviously, we do not want to make education business. So I completely disagreed with that sentiment because public education is how we grow like the people who can't afford education. Sure, sure. So I'm not I'd have to listen to that. Before, um, I'm going to say this other point, and then you can respond to all of it, just so you're caught up. And another big sentiment that they were saying about, um, well, one, Vivek said he's going to fire the Department of Education, or 
disbanded Department of Education. But a lot of Republican nominees were saying something like they want to uh, get rid of teacher unions. Uh, yeah. So that's one thing because I'm like I'm pro union for the most part, but I do think it's much more nuanced than going like get as much money for you you can because there's a there needs to be give and take. There have to be, mm -hmm. but getting rid of unions, I don't think it will ever be a good idea to get rid of a union. I don't think it's a good idea, but uh, yeah, those are some so, of the main points. So by and large, um, I would be in favor of trying to rework the public education system. Um, I think possibly their point, and I'd have to listen to it honestly to get like what I would interpret from, um, is potentially they're saying if it comes down to it, I know they're in big favor. A lot of the Republican candidates are in big favor of school choice, which means funding and allocation that is what is allowing us to go to schools for free would go to allow people like this is what Florida did is you get school choice. So if your school system is failing and funding that would allow you to send your student to that public school for free would be reallocated away from that school towards your student and then you could go to a private school and so effectively what would happen is you would get a stipend so maybe sometimes you wouldn't get the whole thing paid for but your funding wouldn't be attached to only if you go to the public school it would stick with your family and so if you want to send like this happens in ohio <laughs> i have some family that's in a failing school district and so they take that money that would be going, that funding that would be going to the public school stays with the family. And so that family decides, so my cousins go to a private school with funding from the government that is now taken away from that failing public school. And so what that does, that incentivizes that failing school, if they want their funding, then they're going to have to increase their grades. And so they, obviously there's some, I think, a little bit of give and take there that they could find other ways than just carrot stick, carrot stick. And because obviously taking money away, we know it doesn't work with police. Why would it necessarily work with schools? Yeah. There's some things that could be done there. I'm sure. I would have to look into more about the teachers unions. I don't know a whole lot about those particular unions by and large. I am pro union to a degree. Because we know that crony capitalism is a real thing. And where businesses can take advantage of workers, they will take advantage of workers. Exactly. I do think there's a level that it can go too far. Agreed. And from what I have heard is that's kind of how the teachers union is. So maybe let's disband it momentarily until we can figure things out. And then obviously they have a right to have a union to some extent i don't think starbucks needs a union uh personally but you know uh, it really i'm not sure it really depends on the, on the on the details of uh the the, the benefits yeah. and the pay i would say i agree with you a lot of the things you said in terms of unions i agree with you I, i've already said that on an episode that should be already out when we talked about the pros and cons and unions this episode was interesting and it was very funny with me and paul because the guy that was uh, Jonathan who came on was having internet issues. So I like that guy. Yeah, we were having internet issues and we couldn't. He couldn't stay on, so we had to leave early. So we just like we were kind of like, bro, I don't. We don't know what to do now. So we just kept. We talked about unions, but it was kind of a very silly episode. And I kept in all the uh, hilarious 
cuts, but bro, it's a it's a very very silly episode. But we did talk also, about unions a little bit. Um, but yeah, a lot of the things I said in there is that I I unions are one of the best ways to keep capitalism in check, a hundred percent. Sure, because of what you just said. Uh, but it can go too far if they're not taking into account how much they are taking away from the institution that they're trying to take it away from. Um, yeah, and I think that's possibly potentially from what I've heard is kind of what's happening with the teachers union is they're, you know, Paul is of the persuasion that they're not paid enough. That might be true for some of them. For other ones, it might not be true. Yeah, I, I would prob- have to look into the pay because literally every teacher I met, they were getting bare bones money. So that's why I, I know have to a look lot of teachers that. that make great money. I know a lot of teachers that make public schools? thousands of dollars at public schools. Yeah, some of them, some really? of them. not all of them, some of them, and, th- and I think that totally depends on region. Um, Maybe depend tenure. On, what was that? Tenure. Tenure. Yeah, it can totally depend on. It could depend on a lot of things. I'm sure private school teachers make a lot of money. Um, I actually saw this clip. I don't know if it's true. I might have to look into it. We may we may look have an episode talking about teachers. Maybe you have a teacher on. Who knows? Um, but he said he found a statistic that said that teachers, on average, at private schools, actually get paid less. Than, really, and that's what he maybe what he found. I. I'm so yeah, I'm so curious on this because a lot of the issues I'm that sure we've it talked about well that that would make sense to me because a lot of private schools are probably like the down the street Catholic school that gets paid based on what the church gets in tithes and so it's a private education but they're not making a whole lot of money because they only have like 12 or 10 12 to 15 students in the class sizes so that would make sense to me but also like I'm curious on the other benefits like are they getting other benefits besides obviously the pay working at a private institution as well could be could be Uh, so that might be a big benefit uh yeah i would be curious about that it's a very uh go ahead i'll just be like i don't know much about the whole teachers union thing um i know that a lot of conservatives have a vendetta against it and um i don't know much about it to be honest i think Based on what I have heard, it might be justified, but it could just be one of the big talking points. And that I, I don't just, <clears throat> excuse me, but having like a lot of allergies and now all of my sinuses are going down to my throat. Um, I just don't know much about it to have like an opinion of my own other than what my party seems to say, what the other conservatives say. Yeah, so. for sure. We'll look into it, have a future episode to dive into a little bit more concretely because the value of ed- education is obviously important. The value of teachers are always the same. I guess if you have any other points we can about education and a better are the most important people other than parents and molding society. Teachers. That's what I believe. Or they should be. They should be the most yeah. important. I think, I think they should be very well accommodated. Um, but I think it should, I think this would be one of the professions that should be the most merit-based. Um, agreed. In so, in so far as your pay, I think this should be the pay where most directly uh, is accrued to how well your students are doing. And so how well are you preparing them? How well are they actually learning the material? 
I think that the category should not be on state testing. It should be on the class tests. So each teacher is is judged and their compensation is based upon their overall class average within that institution's testing methods. And so the testing methods should be obviously held to muster. But if on the test that Mrs. Sally passes out, if the students are all getting very high grades, very high marks in that within, you know, within reason, then she should be very highly paid as opposed to teacher Daniels that has like a whole bunch of failing students, not based on the state test, but based on the own tests that he's administering. Because if he can't even prepare you for his own tests, then like the the downside of that is, of course, giving very, very easy tests so that everybody passes your tests which we can't have that either. So there needs to be some obviously standardized metrics that are applied, but I think that's better than using state tests because some people just, no matter what you do, won't be good at taking state tests. Especially when you're not in. Shout out on um, a true story, and they actually have an organization right now trying to help teachers, right? So basically the premise of the movie is that there's this one newbie teacher. Uh, She's teaching maybe ninth grade freshman. And she's like new in town, right? She doesn't really know any better. And she's teaching at a school that adopted a program where they're bringing more uh, underprivileged people into their uh, school. And she has to teach all the uh, bad kids, quote unquote, kids that were from like the hood, kids Um, who are make uh, from like uh, potentially in gang lifestyles and face all that. So she has to teach that. And obviously it was a struggle at first because she's just a normal white lady from the suburbs. And now she has to teach these these kids. And how she went about it is she went about it by it like connecting to them at an individual level, getting them to read. She incentivized sure. reading. Uh, she took them to a Holocaust museum that see like this uh, see tragedy that the world is bigger than what you're going through and you can get past yep. it. She t- like she would uh, she gave them a diary so they can write in every day and she would read every single one of their entries to see what's going sure. on like. She had a whole thing, and they loved their teacher so much at the end of the day that she stuck with them until they graduated. So she taught them 10th grade, 11th grade, senior year, nice. and then she started an organization, like I said, um, that exists today. And it's a really good movie. So it, she didn't stick to the curriculum, but she like yeah. they were obviously got a lot because they ended up really smart. They did a lot after uh, – and they went to college and stuff and all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder how you would feel about teachers that stay with their students throughout their uh curriculum. I see nothing wrong with that. I that's what I'm I'm saying like why do teachers have to stay with a, a grade? Like why once they get well, a typically connection... it's a certification thing, right? Uh it's because that's what they're licensed to teach. And so you have to like when you're teaching something like fifth grade right you're the english teacher history teacher math teacher science teacher right but yeah. as things go up higher in grade then it gets you're more specialized in a little in a subject and that's yeah. fair very fair that's, that's primarily the reason um and it's just because like some degrees you know you'll sometimes for depending on the school level i think some of them would require that you have a master's degree in a subject and so obviously you're not going to spend the money to get a master's degree in History, science, English, and math. Oh, yeah. Stay with your subject, obviously. Um, so with that said, because that's a great point, that said, because she was an English teacher. She liked books and stuff. But that said, 
we should incentivize them with the merit program, obviously. So now they're incentivized to get keep on growing as a as a teacher. Incentivize them to grow their education. Maybe having programs that ensure that they can grow their education so they can teach other grades. Like there should be paths of improvement for teachers because I don't really know like yeah. what the paths of improvements for teachers are other than like if continuing ed. Yeah, they continue, get tenure maybe, and it's like. Yeah, but so a lot of times teachers, and I, I have a lot of teachers in my family, that's why I know this, Um, they'll have to go to conferences, they'll have to go, and like so my dad as a professor, he'd have to do continuing education, so he'd have to take a class here or there and give him the certification, go to a conference, show him the certification. Is he a college professor? So yeah, he's a college professor. I have several aunts and uncles and friends that are high school teachers. Okay. And so uh, they'll have to go to continuing education. And so they have to show certifications that they attended a conference. Oh, yeah, obviously got to re-up and class, stuff. All that sort of stuff. But I'm just talking about, like, improvement. Like, is there a route of improvement that they that they go through? I don't really know. Um, so sometimes is. they can because they'll have the ambition to teach a certain grade or a certain class in the grade. So, like, when it comes to elementary school, you know, they might get the third graders or second graders, but they want to get the fifth graders. And so then you have the motivation to kind of jive and do a little bit of politicking around the office, have good test grades that you might be able to get that position, that sort of thing. Mm. It shouldn't be that hard. The merit should be there. Teachers, you should have a proper route to continuously improve for sure. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we covered all the bases for the Republican nominees, our final assessment. I mean, you guys already know if you're, you've seen one of my prior episodes, uh, my favorite was Nikki Haley. People were saying I'm biased. I don't know how I'm biased when I had no like knowledge of any candidate until I watched the, uh, the debate. So I just listened to what they said and Nikki Haley came out on top for me. Um, so Nikki Haley was the best overall candidate, uh, stand by that. Uh, I think. If you put her against Biden, I personally think she would perform the best because she would appeal to moderates way better than Biden would. Um, so, I mean, that's the biggest thing for Nikki Haley because she's Republican. Obviously, she's going to get the Republican votes regardless. So when it comes to Democrats versus Republicans, it's how you appeal to the moderates that's really going to change things. And I think Nikki Haley would be the best at doing that versus any other Republican candidate. I think, honestly, if we're being realistic, both sides. It has to do with because they're so polarized and politicized. It comes down to the moderates on the Democrat and the Republican. Whoever can appeal to the moderates better. Yeah, but I don't see anybody on the right voting for Biden. Whereas, like, I can see people on the left voting for Nikki Haley. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, so that's... Versus, like, nobody on the left is voting for Vivek or DeSantis or Trump. Um, And then everybody else is just not good enough at politics to... I'm not. Talk I'm not sure if I entirely agree with that, but I could probably. You think people on the left would vote for Vivek? Is that the one you're I talking think about? People, I think either actually DeSantis or Vivek. Oh, I don't no. think anybody on the left. I don't think anybody on the left is voting for Trump. That much is obvious. But, but I think people. Think I think this... Vivek has the best shot at getting some people to vote for him from the Democratic side, simply because he's unknown. Right. As soon as anybody on the left looks at his policies, which they probably wouldn't do anyways, but they would see that he's every bit as conservative and right as Trump is. 
people on the left know who DeSantis is, but there's some of them that might pull over. Like so, so my uncle will be a statistic to show that because in 2020 he voted for or uh, he voted for Biden. Not a chance he's doing it now though. He kind of got I wouldn't say he got red pilled, but he got his eyes open. I guess we'll say. Um, and... Oh, is that the conspiracy theory one? No, that's a different. Oh, okay, one. okay, gotcha, gotcha. No, that's actually my father, my my brother's father-in-law. Um, no, my uncle was the huge lib. But then over like the 2020 pandemic stuff, everything that happened since then, he's like become very conservative or more conservative. But, but so yeah, he's definitely whoever he's going to be. To the point where he would agree with DeSantis, because some of the things that DeSantis is going to throw out, like he's big cultural war stuff, big. Oh yeah. No, my uncle has done like a 180 switch. A lot of, a lot of it came down to, I think when he voted for Biden came down to, He's very much like a party man, so he probably voted Democrat his whole life, but it never really made a big deal. It never really, he never really paid attention. And then yeah. after, like, he saw everything that's happened, and then it came down to um, his work. So he's a social worker, and so social workers are very democratic. Um, just by does and not large, work there anymore? Very... no, he does. But that's one of the reasons they really probably peer pressured him into voting Democrat. And now he just doesn't talk politics at the office. Um, Which is that's fair. I, I just don't know how he would... Because the social worker and DeSantis just don't mix to me. Because of the, the, the policies that DeSantis likes to do. Like, so that's why I'm like... I mean, I think it is possible to hate Biden enough to potentially vote for someone on the right. Um, yeah, but like but, social work isn't doesn't necessarily have to be a strictly political thing. Like, no, we just made a lot of things political. That, that I mean... States of America has a relatively menial actual influence on our day-to-day life. The people who have Agreed a way bigger influence is our mayors and our government. Congress. That's what we say. Be an advocate in your community, bro. And Congress. Yeah. But a lot of it, because like a lot of the bureaucracy, this is, I think, one of the biggest things that a, a, pres- a candidate like Vivek, who, if he does what he says he does, would have a huge influence on our lives because a lot of the bureaucracy, its actionable phase takes place at the state and local level. Yeah. So if we cold the bureaucracy, we would feel a lot more of it. But by and large, the president, he says what he says, he go, he gets into office, and if he doesn't do much with the bureaucracy, with the EOP, then we don't really notice much of what he does on a practical day-to-day level. We notice some of the economic fluctuations, but by and large, their policies don't change our lives very much. Yeah, it really definitely depends on how they kind of connect with Congress. Honestly, at the end of the day, it's how they connect with Congress. It's really going to determine a lot of things. And um... Which is what it was always supposed to be. It was always supposed to be Congress. It is Teddy Roosevelt that turned the office of the president into a very public, he's the one who started it. And then FDR continued that. But before that, that's why like people like Calvin Coolidge, (laughs) a lot of these other presidents are relatively unknown as opposed to like the first three or four. Nobody knows after that. And then up until Teddy Roosevelt, nobody really ever. And then after Teddy Roosevelt, when the, the presidential office was made a very public thing, Everybody starts to kind of keep track of who the presidents were. But then you like between 
Teddy Roosevelt and FDR, we know like Woodrow Wilson, and that's about it. And then after FDR, we know a lot of them because yeah. obviously World War II happened, and then we they really became a very public figure because of a lot of the rules that FDR kind of broke to be president and the policies he made when he was president through things that he never really never really been done before. So it's the two Roosevelts that turned the public interest onto the office of the president. Before them, nobody really cared. But after them, now everybody cares, but the same is true, is that they really don't have a tremendous influence in our day-to-day lives. Like, they have somewhat of an influence, don't get me wrong, but by and large, it's our mayors and our governors that have a really big deal to do with how we, how we interact with the society. Yeah, I, I, for the most part, I, I agree with that. Um, what, like we say on this podcast, that you got to be involved with your local elections. The, the easiest place to get a hold of a political representative is obviously in your district, in your area, to your mayors, to your governor, to your senator, um, because you vote for them, they go into Congress, and then they, their, their uh, representative is gonna more align with your personal beliefs based off your voting versus you know the president obviously because the president is not creating laws at the end of the day right so um we know we learned this in the government class at the end of the day we learned this in government class but with that said i think i said uh nikki haley nikki haley i said would perform best against biden who's your who did you think performed best against biden no who do you think performed best in the uh debate debate panel I stand by what I said at the beginning. The Democratic base won that debate. <laughs> um, or Trump not showing up. Then I watched the interview, and I think that interview was terrible. So I can't even say Trump. Well, yeah, but we're talking about that debate, right? Who yeah. won that debate? Trump, because he didn't show up to it. So he won that That's debate. very fair. He said, I'm winning by so much. I don't, I don't even need yeah. to show up. Why don't, why don't I don't even show up. Like, he, show there's no up. reason for him to go, which I think he still should go, I think. But... He, I mean, I totally understand him not going. I think he's scared. But I will say this. Mike Pence, if he had to go up against Trump, it would have been hilarious. That would have uh, been funny. Dude, it would have been Trump. Like, Pence, you fat pig of a coward of a man. How could you do this to me? How could you? Oh, I remember two of the other questions. Someone said, but the president chooses whether to enforce laws. Look at the border, for example. True. The president enforces laws. We agree to that. Um, and Nikki Haley, you know, shout out to her. I think she would do an excellent job. But with that said, two of the questions that it's they simp. did. Nikki bro, Haley. Nikki Haley sold me, bro. I saw I was like, bro, what are these great ideas? These so are, are you going to vote for her in the primary then? I wanted to see who like uh, Paul told me. is like, oh, that makes sense. Like, there's no there's not going to be anybody really running against Biden besides like RFK. So it's like, I'm not voting for RFK. So Biden or Haley? But obviously, it would, if I had to vote Republican, I would vote for Haley, for sure. I, I would 100% vote for Haley. So are, are you going to vote in the primary? Um, we probably. can talk about this after the podcast. Yeah, so. Probably. We'll see. But we're still a ways away. We're still a ways away. Um, with that said, they also brought up two other things that I just remembered. They brought up a question about, did Mike Pence handle January 6th well? And they also brought up the question... If Donald Trump was cho- chosen yeah. as the primary, who would support him based off your oath? And everybody rose. Oh, oh yeah, DeSantis took a huge L because he like hesitated to raise his hand. Then he saw but Vivek he raise at, his hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he rose his yeah. hand. I'm like, 
Uh, and then Chris Christie did the same thing. He hesitated. And then he bro, I'm like, bro, y'all are cowards. The only one I respected on there was um Hutchinson because he was like, I'm not raising my hand at all. Screw Donald Trump. I was like, shout out to you. I gave you a point for that because you kept your integrity, right? Everybody else just, I mean, Nikki Haley rose hers immediately. Bergen rose his immediately. Pence rose his immediately, I think. And then Vivek, obviously. <laughs> Maybe. I think so. DeSantis and Christie hesitated and then put their hand up. I'm like, well, Christie, I didn't think, raised his hand, did he? Or no, just kind of half rose his hand? Yeah, like yeah, he, his hand. Well, initially he didn't. Then he saw everybody else's hands was raised. Then he started, he put it halfway. You know, and so yeah. that's what I it. noticed DeSantis was like, yeah, that was it. that was terrible from DeSantis. Yeah, that was, that was bad for him. DeSantis just did all right, and the fact that he just did all right means he sucked because a lot of people really outperformed themselves. So, yeah. Someone in the chat said, "I think Haley's the best choice." They agree with me. I mean, Whatever. I mean, it, you're entitled to your opinion, I guess. The right yeah. opinion. Shout out moderates. With to be fair, to be fair, like the right most... opinion. The right uh, opinion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. We got... To be fair, though, I think most moderates have pretty bad opinions. <laughs> not gonna lie. Not gonna... Bro, bro, I agree. Bro, it's just like it's just it's just me. I think counterpoints. He's moderate, so he has pretty good opinions. Um, if it wasn't, I guess if it wasn't for this recent like progressive craziness, I probably would be like a liberal. But like. Mm-hmm. They're just crazy. I think that's how most that's how most moderates are like they're libertarians at core, which is always what fit into the Democrats. But the Democrats went so crazy to the like just astronomically crazy to the left that now you guys are just moderate. But you're libertarian uh, liberal at your core. Me, there was never a chance that I was going to be. Yeah, I just think, you know, we always got to improve and change. Oh, they also said, according to new Emerson College polling survey, Haley saw the largest increase in support among Republican candidates, jumping five points from 2% to 7% following last week's debate. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. She, Everybody I know that I've listened to, I agree that she really outperformed herself. So that's definitely, I believe, that's definitely possible she's just still not my candidate like i'll vote for her if she wins well who's your candidate you didn't say first i'm not going to endorse a candidate in the primary um (laughs) fair enough but fundamentally she's a woman so she's got that going against her honestly i no 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 low key well half kidding yeah low key i'm like how much like conservatives like the the ones that are obviously like more rational they won't care like how many conservatives on the far right are actually going to vote for like vivica and nikki i i'm i'm still curious about that but like also with that said if the republicans are the first people to vote a woman as president (laughs) yo how that's gonna look yeah that would be crazy that That would would be be pretty crazy because obviously everybody thinks it's gonna be the democrats the problem is, is she still doesn't have a chance because Trump is so far ahead. Agreed. So she has so, to hope. But she could be a potential VP. That would be good for Trump if he had that Nikki Haley as his VP. I don't think Nikki um, Haley likes Trump. So Nobody likes Trump until they like Trump. You know what I'm saying? Vivek like, likes Trump. Like he's, Well, I know that. But they're all obviously still running against Trump. They think they would be a better president. But here's the thing, right? They're also still all politicians. Yeah, true. And all politicians 
They want to be president. They believe that they are God's gift to earth. True. And they were meant to be the president. And so they will do what it takes to get closer to that position. Nikki Haley, just like just like Kamala Harris called Joe a sex offender. And then he offered her the <laughs> VP and he was like, okay, I love Joe. I think Joe Biden is the best guy on the planet. So they're all politicians. Uh, you're you're not wrong there. You're, you're, uh, I, I said Nikki Haley 2028. Like, yeah, one of the first things I said was like, hey, man, Haley, you know, she's going to do it. That over there. Nikki Haley, Bergam. I personally, I like... I'm I'm split between Vivek, right? Like I think he could be good, but at the same time, I think he also could be full of crap. I just think it's not something that we're gonna know until we know, right? Same thing that happened with Trump. I do like DeSantis. I think he has a good track record. I don't know that he has the 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 charisma for the job. I think he'd make a great chief of staff because he's so policy uh, he does anal and done. focused. Yep. So he's got a great he's a policy wonk, is what I've heard from a lot of people that know him. I've met him. Um, he's a policy guy. He would make a fantastic chief of staff, which is really one of the, it's a more powerful position than it even is the president because he decides who gets what office. And so if he's that retentive about it, he could be a very powerful individual as the chief of staff. Problem well, is, Trump's never going to pick him. Oh, yeah. He calls him Sanctimonious. The Sanctimonious. Sanctus for short. Oh, man. Oh, someone else said uh, they only get credit for conservative blacks are totally ignored or at best ridiculed. Shaking my head. Uh, Larry Elder, the black face of white supremacy. Oh, oh yeah. Shake Tim Scott had no presence again. I'm just, bro, he was just up there smiling, bro. That's all that dude was there up there. He's like, I can't believe I made it. <laughs> bro, Justice Thomas is hated by the left. Haley, when she'll be hated too. If Haley gets close to being nominated, the left will attack her more than they've ever they've ever attacked anyone. Then they they can't let the first woman president be a Republican. That's, just what you said. <laughs> That's hilarious, bro. Honestly, I could. Uh, I mean, they're definitely gonna attack her for a trans take about women only biological women being like should play with biological women. Other than that. I mean, they're, they're obviously far lefties are going to disagree with almost every point just because they're not leftist points. Um, but that's actually hilarious. Like, we can't let the Republicans have the first woman in office, so we're going to vote against her. That's hilarious, not going to lie. But they're not going to vote a Republican regardless, so it's a yeah. moot, moot point. Um, but very, yeah, anyway. We talked about a lot, of course. I think this was a very interesting discussion, a little back and forth to talk about the nominees. Obviously, you got my perspective um, from the center, and then you got Jonathan's perspective as a Republican. Um, honestly, if Paul was here, he probably would probably just agree with basically everything I was saying, not going to lie. Um, probably agree. From a leftist point of view, I think he said Nikki Haley performed the best, too. So, uh, yep. you know, shout out Nikki Haley for that. She did great. She showed out. She did her thing. Shout out Vivek for being the next Donald Trump, um, you know, out in the stage, being an inter inter internet personality out here, of course, with that smile. That smile that's capturing everybody. Of course, we know this. Um, shout out DeSantis yeah. for sucking at politics. Um, but so... He's just not, he's not good at the game at all. Brother, Being a great, like, great governor, he'd probably be one of the best presidents we've had in a long time, I am sure. But he'd be like a Calvin Coolidge. Like, like you know the famous story about Calvin Coolidge? It was a famous story. 
I think this is Calvin Coolidge. I might be wrong. I'm 90% sure this is Calvin Coolidge. He was a man of few words. And so he was at a party and somebody came up to him and said, hey, I have $5, a bet from a friend that I can get you to say three words. And he said, you lose. And then walked away. Like, man, a few words, but wasn't actually a bad president. And I feel like that's how DeSantis could kind of be. Like, not a great charismatic leader, but a great leader because he would do what needs to be done, you know? Uh, I could definitely see that from the Republican side. I would have to see how he starts implementing things because I'm unsure on like how deep he wants to go into this culture war stuff like can he move beyond the culture war stuff if he becomes president is my question about it so i would have to i'd have to see but in terms of getting things done the santas is actually one of those individuals that will get stuff done and he got a lot done back in florida so you know crib credit in that it's just, it was just so funny. Every time they asked a question, DeSantis just would not answer the question. <laughs> it's like, he just did not answer the question. He tried to say something else. Like, he tried his hardest. He's just not good at it. FYI, my computer is about to die. So, <laughs> this dead. man and, that doesn't have a charger, not prepared. But we went over the no, But when I hard. plug in my thing, I don't have an extra plug in for my cord. Shaking my head. So. He hasn't bought two cords yet. Shaking my head. Um, but we went out, we went over the two hour mark, obviously, you know, we went over a lot of things. So great episode per usual, you know, Jonathan's a busy man, Paul's a busy man, but we'll get them both on on the same time and have a very interesting discussion on whatever we talk about whenever that happens. With that said, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Purple Political Breakdown. Rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, visit the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. Dot com. Leave a review. Send us an email. Let us hear your thoughts. Tune in every Monday and Thursday, 8 p.m. EST, to catch us live on Twitch, Kick, Rumble, YouTube, whatever you think. To, to hear, let us hear your uh, opinions about the discussion, the topic of discussion. Do we have solutions today? Not really. But if do you want to vote for a candidate? Uh, vote for Nikki Haley. You know what I'm saying? I vote for Nikki Haley. Put her. She, I man, I stand by it. Republicans, if you want to be Biden, I'm, I'm I'm giving you the recipe right now. I'm giving the recipe recipe right now. And I'm 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 not even a Republican out here. I'm just I'm trying to help you all out right now. Hey, if we keep getting you to watch the Daily Wire, we'll get you on my team. We'll get uh, you on the right side. We'll see. We'll see how many how much times Matt Walsh can talk about aliens before. Uh, oh, I don't <laughs> listen to Matt Walsh. He's I used to like him. Yeah. Yeah, the, the alien stock pushed it over the head. But shout out Ben Shapiro. I always like Ben Shapiro. So shout out him. Andrew Cleveland. He's actually I like him he's too. actually one of the more liberal of the hosts, actually. People don't like to say that, but he actually is. Because he's logical. He's, he's relatively libertarian. Brains. He uses this right here. The yeah. right side is the middle side, honestly. I'm Y'all saying, have a good one. I'm saying I was saying like relatively, right? Yeah, I mean, compared to everybody else, compared to all the other, compared to all the other hosts, he's relatively liberal. I think Candace is probably pushing more and more to the right. I think I think Candace Owens is just pushing more and more to the right. Honestly, like she's getting deep in the right. I think she probably is. Yeah, me neither. Not anymore. She got crazy for me. Um, so it sucks to suck. Y'all have a good one. Well, check it out, y'all. We got what you need. 
We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. Yeah.